Show. I am Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave this Friday afternoon. Zach, why isn't the song Steinbuck? Steinbuck. Zach's nodding his head, folks. He said, I'm getting a little too big in my britches. And he's right. He's right. The song will remain Dave Ellswick as it should be. All right. I'm back in my place. You should see Zach flailing there in the booth telling me to get down. Anyway, folks. It's a pleasure to be here this Friday. We're going to have a number of guests uh, calling in, stopping by, etc. <clears throat> Chris Corbett is going to be in the studio with us a little bit later. Excuse me. We've got uh, Ben Gilmore is going to be calling in. <clears throat> and I got a frog in my throat at the beginning of the show, luckily. Bart Hester uh, is going to be calling in. Uh, Joey Price, a local attorney, is going to be calling in. So we've got a number of folks that we're going to be talking with. Uh, but prior there, too, we've got a little time for us to talk together. I wanted to bring up an issue. I think I mentioned it last time I was on the show, but we didn't have too much time to talk about this. Zach, you know this author of um, the Harry Potter series, uh, J.K. Rowling. She's a lefty. And I don't mean that as an insult, although I should probably call her a liberal. She might be a lefty. I don't know. But lefty tends to be more of a critical descriptor, correctly so, don't get me wrong, uh, than than liberal. But at minimum, she's a liberal. At one point, uh, someone asked her about a character in the book, and I don't know the book too well, the book series too well, or the movie series, but someone asked her why this character wasn't married or something to that effect, and her response was, well, that character is gay. And there was some uproar, actually, in the conservative community. Oh, that's not appropriate, whatever. And, well, the fact is that if she's the author of the book, she's allowed to create a character however she sees fit. You don't have to read the book. You don't have to buy the book. You don't have to like the book. Well, she's kind of the, the, the big cheese when it comes to the characters. So I point all this out to say to you, someone who creates a gay character... It's not an anti-gay person, right? It wasn't, the, the character was not a, a bad character. Uh, so as, as far as I understand, like I say, I, I don't read the books. So she creates a gay character. Well, fast forward, and she somehow gets interviewed uh, about comments of another person on transgender issue issues. And this other person, apparently <clears throat> in Britain, said, hold on one second, <clears throat> my apologies, apparently said that it is impossible to change one's sex. Right? And this is, that is a question when it, we come to transgender issues. Can one truly change one's sex? Now, th- I'm not here to give voice to an argument that says there aren't people who describe themselves as transgender, we know there are. Uh, the, um, Zach, what's the name? I apologize because of my 
weak memory. What's the name of the, of course, the the, um, the famous uh, Olympic athlete who is transgender? Um, Jenner. Uh, oh, yeah, Bruce right, Jenner. Right. Formerly Bruce, now <clears throat> Caitlyn Jenner. So uh, that Caitlyn is transgender. Caitlyn describes herself as a woman. And says, I am a woman, I've always been a woman, and I didn't uh, materialize it, shall we say, for lack of a better word on my part, but now I'm a woman. Okay. And I I say every time we discuss these issues, by the way, particularly on conservative radio, that we conservatives need to be compassionate. Whatever your belief on transgenderism, transgender rights, etc., you meet a person who's transgender, who's not transgender, who's gay, who's straight, whatever the case may be, you need to be compassionate. So this researcher apparently says it's impossible to change sex. That is not an implausible position. That's not a position that relates to the moon being cheese or Martians being in your closet. That is a plausible but debated position and jk rowling the liberal author of harry potter says i support that position i'm not says jk rowling's i'm not against transgender people i don't hate transgender people but the notion says jk rowling's that it's possible to change one's sex, she does not subscribe to. Okay. And yet, the left attack her. Attack her. Because in the environment of the left, you have no opportunity for dissent from the dogma. And the dogma is, gender is whatever you want it to be. Sex is whatever you want it to be. Now, again, I don't care if I meet someone who calls themselves uh, a woman and they're, uh, and other people would say, well, that's a man who believes that he is a woman. Those are two opposing viewpoints. Both of those people can have their viewpoints without the other being illegitimate. Not in the left. Not for the folks of the left. No, sir. You're entitled to one view and one view only. So now, folks, you say, okay, but what's this have to do with me? I'll tell you what it has to do with you. Two things, maybe more. One is this notion of hate crimes. Now, for most of us, for most of us, the issue of hate crimes will not manifest because we're not committing any crimes. But the notion of hate crimes originally was if you committed a crime motivated by malice regarding, for example, race, you were guilty of an additional crime. So you could murder someone, but if you murdered someone because he's black, white, Jewish, Gentile, well, that's an additional penalty because you're motivated by hate. Okay. Hard to figure out, but okay, not impossible. But hate crime has evolved now to issue 1A, 
hate speech. Hate speech. So you see, you take a concept of hate crime, now you have hate speech. So what's hate speech? Well, according to the left, exactly what J.K. Rowling said. If you deny the existence that, that sex and gender are entirely fluid to be chosen by the recipient, I don't know if one's a recipient, but to be chosen by each individual, if you deny that fact, that's hate speech according to the left. Wait, what? Wait, what? I'm, one is not allowed to say that it's impossible to change one's sex? Folks, if you can't say that, then you can't quote from the Bible. Then the Bible is hate speech. To the left it is, by the way, folks. To the left it is. There is no news here. They would ban the Bible. Oh, they'll let you read pornography, but they would ban the Bible. Hate speech. Hate speech. So this is really the evolution of the position of the left today. It's that if you differ with us, you are engaging in hate speech. And we can shut you down. Because according to the left, hate speech is not protected by the First Amendment or any other law. You see, you know what they tell you, Zach? It's not speech. Wait, what? But you're calling it hate speech. Yeah, well, it still ain't speech, says the left. So it's real convenient, you see. We protect speech under the First Amendment, and we just define away all the speech we don't like as not being speech. And then when we get to the Second Amendment, we say, oh, sure, we protect the right to bear arms. We just define away all arms. No, well, a handgun's not an arm. A rifle that's painted black is not an arm. Uh, uh, A knife is not an arm. Everything's not an arm. So, sure, you have a right to bear arms. Just none of the the things you would call arms. And go through all the amendments. Oh, you don't uh, have—go to the Fourth Amendment. Oh, well, you have a right to be protected uh, against an improper search or seizure. Oh, well, coming into your house and looking through your stuff, that's not a search or seizure. No, sir. Going through your bank records, that's not a search or seizure. Going through your email and uh, uh, phone records, that's not a search and seizure. So they define it all away. This is the move of the left. You take language and you twist it so that the outcome is what you want, even though the language looks like a pretzel now. I can't say, according to the left, one cannot say that a person with certain physical characteristics, including, by the way, their DNA. That's right. Their DNA is a man or a woman. No, you can't say that. Well, excuse me, um, uh, uh, I, I, I took biology in high school and I learned XY is male and XX on the chromosomes are female. Nope, not anymore. By the way, remember, the left is the party of science, right? Uh, excuse me, isn't that science, isn't that science called biology? Hello? Nope. No, climate science That there's no dispute according to them about. By the way, I'm not an expert on climate science. I don't have a clue about that kind of stuff. 
But they told me there's nothing I need to know. There's nothing I need to research. It exists. It's tragic. We got to stop doing what we're doing. Okay. No dispute, no debate, no discussion, apparently. That's what they said on NBC. They said on MSNBC, we won't discuss it anymore because it's settled. Okay. Okay. But then is biology settled? No. Let me tell you, biology, that's new stuff. That's like splitting the atom. Yeah, but I'm XY. I have the parts that indicate I'm a male. Am I a male? If I want to be. But I understand that I want to be a male. I'm perfectly pleased to be a male because I was born a male. Um, But I'm asking you, Lefty, am I a male? Well, what do you say? No, no, no. I'm not asking you what I say. I don't need to have a conversation with myself. What is, what is this, one hand clapping? I'm asking you, am I a male? Well, I don't know. What do you You don't know? Well, maybe I can answer some questions for you. These are the uh, biological parts I have. Uh, my, I have XY chromosome. I had it checked. I didn't really, but trust me, I know that I do. So am I a biolog- Am I a male? Can't answer that question. Uh, hello? You're not part of your science? No science there? You can't answer that for me? Nope, can't answer it. This is the make-believe world that the left wants you to live in. Right? Go to San Francisco. There are people uh, defecating on the streets. There are um, syringes from drug addicts in the uh, gutters. Hey, is that okay? Well, you know, it is what it is. What? Well, can't we remove those people from... No. Because in their make-believe world, everybody's the same and everybody has the right to be wherever they want. And nobody's rights are ever infringed. But that's not reality. That's not reality. Zach, why don't we uh, take a quick break and we'll come back uh, after these messages. This is the Dave Ellswick Show. I am Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave this Friday afternoon. We're talking before the break about the issue regarding J.K. Rowling and the left's abusive language and attack on their own when someone has the temerity to suggest something outside the leftist dogma, such as sex is defined by biology, not choice. I'm not saying I accept that notion. I'm just saying that one cannot express that. Why do I say I don't accept that notion? I'll tell you why. For the second issue that we need to discuss. Do you know that if you're a government employee and you are at home on your Facebook or you're hosting, guest hosting a radio show for Dave Ellswick and you say, and you say, "Mm, I think sex is a fixed concept determined by biology. Your government employer can fire you. That's right. Your government employer can fire you. Wait, wait, says some. The First Amendment must protect that. No. No. The test is remarkably difficult for someone who wants to exercise free speech. The first question is an issue of 
public concern? That is. And then if so, are the comments disruptive to the workplace? And guess who gets to make the first call on that one? The government. The boss who's just fired you. And so, why do I mention this? Because last session and next session, Kim Hammer and Bob Ballinger supported a bill that simply said, if you're a government employee, during off hours, you're allowed to share your viewpoints. Doesn't change the law, doesn't change discrimination law, anything like that. During off hours, you're entitled to share your viewpoint. Now, is that a hard concept? Is that a challenging concept? And we were late in the session, and so it's often difficult to get a bill passed. Then you've got to go and talk to people, make sure they understand the, the borders of that bill. And so that's something that we didn't really have much time to do, and the bill didn't pass, didn't get out of committee. It's going to next session. Why? Because our Kansans deserve the right to say what J.K. Rowling said and be a government employee and not get fired for it. That's why. That's why. You work for the state. You work for the city. You work for the town. And you go on your Facebook and you repost the article about J.K. Rowling's having the temerity, as I mentioned, to to agree with someone else who said it's impossible to change one sex. You shouldn't be fired for that. You shouldn't be fired for that. I even got some pushback from some conservatives who didn't understand the bill. Could have been a little bit more patient. They could have been. We will educate them come the next session. Because this is a conservative idea, folks. Do you know who gets attacked and fired for stating their political views, their moral views, their religious views at home, online, on Facebook? Conservatives, folks. Conservatives. Not lefties. Conservatives. Why? Because lefties got the lefty to English dictionary. They have the translation from reality to gobbledygook. And so they will walk around saying gobbledygook. Nobody's going to dispute the gobbledygook. They dispute the truth. They dispute the reality. They dispute when someone says... It's impossible to change one's sex. How dare you say that? Wait, what? Wait, what? I can't say that it's impossible to change one's sex. I didn't say it's impossible to have surgery. I said it's impossible to change one's biology, says this person. Not me. Oh, no. Not me. That person. And yet... This is the reality that we live in right now, right? Because I decide that uh, I want to be a woman and I have even a surgery, that I'm therefore a woman. Not that I shouldn't be respected, 
Not that I shouldn't have certain accommodations, perhaps made, depending on the circumstances, to deal with my choices in life. And by the way, I use my in the generic sense, not me. But simply that someone else, that Zach can say, hey, I think it's impossible to change one six without being lambasted or fired by his government employer had he been employed by the government. That's what we're talking about, folks, here. Reality. Reality. How can we deal with what's around us if we can't say the truth? And we'll be back after this. This is a Dave Ellswick show, and I am Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave. At this 2.30 hour, we have on the line Ben Gilmore. Ben, who was the uh, deputy chief of staff for Lieutenant Governor Tim Griffin, is now running for state senate. Isn't that right, Ben? That's right, Rob. And hey, and speaking of, I'm actually on the campaign trail today, driving right now. So I hope everyone can hear me okay. But always good to be on with you, Rob. Well, it's wonderful to have you on. You sound terrific. And if we lose you, well, we'll wish you good luck knocking on those doors and burning some shoe leather. Now, tell the audience. Amen to that. (laughs) Tell the audience where your senatorial district is. Uh, what the status of the race is right now? Do you have an opponent? Uh, and if so, how badly are you going to beat him or her, etc.? <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. So it is the southeastmost corner of Arkansas. So that is uh, Monticello, Crossit, McGee, Lake Village, Warren, just to name a few of the uh, centers of gravity in that district. Sure, sure. Um, I think it's I think it's the largest geographical district in the state, so uh, it takes a lot of gas. And uh, I've already got a hole in a pair of my walking shoes, um, literally a hole in them. Um, so uh, let's just say that you know between the the rubber on the tires and my shoes and myself, I think it's I'm going to be worn out by the time it's over with. But uh, everything is looking great so far. Um, actually I've been out working today and have just heard great responses from people. I am running against an incumbent Democrat, um, in November, Mm -hmm. um, a Democrat who is, um, voted for every tax increase ever, Mm -hmm. uh, who's voted, uh, for abortion, who, Mm. um, has voted, um, against the second amendment on several occasions. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, so let me just say that that is counter to the conservative values uh, of the folks down here in, in Senate District 26. Um, I am in a Republican primary. I got a Republican uh, primary challenger 30 minutes before the close of filing, ha! and um, I, I won't I won't spend a lot of time talking about that person other than um, I think I'm the the true conservative in this race. Um, and there, I don't think there's any question about that, but I don't, I don't, I'm not very concerned other than the fact that I'm just going to keep working hard and, and keep doing what we got to do. So, but I'm, I'm looking forward to November when, uh, we can get another Democrat out of the state Senate. Well, that's wonderful. Of course, uh, my friends and I all support you and support uh, the Lieutenant Governor Tim Griffin, uh, in his soon to be, uh, race for governor. Uh, and and Absolutely. and in his whole team, right? Uh, we've got David running uh, in Mayflower area for state rep, mm-hmm. uh, David Ray, mm-hmm. uh, and we need yeah. to put in 
the whole uh, Tim Griffin team throughout government because we all well, share that, that common philosophy. Right, Ben? Now, here's the well, thing. We do. And and, Go ahead. And, and can I take one second just to speak about David Please. Ray's race? Please. Um, David, David is, I mean, he is just killing it on the campaign trail. He is working hard. And for those of you are, who might not know who to vote for that live in that district, that's uh, uh, State Rep District 40, North Pulaski, and part of Faulkner County. Um, if you don't know who to vote for, just look at David Ray's um, history of who he's worked for, Tom Cotton, Tim Griffin, Americans for Prosperity. Do I need to say any more? Exactly. So he is a proven conservative um, who will stand up against the, the liberals that uh, seem to dominate that Little Rock, central Arkansas area, uh, and he'll stand up for those, those values that we care about. Ben, I didn't even know that you have a primary challenger, and I'm no way looking to augment what apparently is not a strong challenge because I've never even heard of it. Uh, but what is what right. is the person that you're running against? What does he or she do currently? Uh, you know, I'm not really sure, um, except I, I think they have some farming uh, background. In fact, I've heard through the, the rumor mill, I've, I've not met the person, uh, I've heard through the rumor mill that they're running to to be the ag. Uh, they're, I think they're from uh, Deshea County, but they're running to be the ag candidate and represent mm-hmm. agricultural issues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, again, that's fine. That's the beauty of our system here in in our in this great country that we live in. Um, and I support you know anybody who wants to run and get involved to do that. Um, but I'll just say, again, I'm, I'm looking forward to the November uh, 2020 race against the uh, incumbent Democrat because I'll think I will be the Republican in that race. Uh, indeed, so, indeed. you know, all eyes are on that. Well, and that's the point I'm trying to bring out here is that you have a wealth of experience. Uh, you've worked for the lieutenant governor. You've done a variety of things. You have a wealth of knowledge about the operation of government. And... Yeah, that this is not a job that you can walk into uh, out of a freezer. Right. Uh, You need to have some. You don't need to have been elected before. You don't need to be a lawyer. You don't need to have worked for the lieutenant governor. There are plenty of other things that I can tick off there. But you need to have some of these things. That's the point. You can't just do it totally out of the dark. And that's right. And I've dealt with a number of state legislators over the years and really virtually every one of them to a person, a nice person. But some of them have come to me and said, Rob, I've gotten into this. I want to do the right thing, but I don't know all the answers here because I don't have enough background. I want your help. And I'm happy to give it whatever well, I can give. But the point is, and, 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 and you should absolutely indeed. Well, and what I was going to say yeah, is, is, I've had so when I worked when I worked for Congressman Westerman because I worked for Congressman right. Westerman for several years as well. So when I worked for him and, and I covered most of this district down here in Southeast Arkansas, mm-hmm. and I had state newly elected state reps, um, a couple in particular from from this area, call me. Uh, as a representative for the congressman and said, hey, I'm brand new. What? Tell me Tell me what you think I should know. That's what right. are some of the issues? Um, and they asked my opinion. So 
you know, again, I'm not saying that I know everything. No. And, and you can't ever know anything, everything. But I will say that I've been here. I've been doing the job. Exactly. I know the issues. Exactly. And I know, again, as far as conservative values go, I mean, look who I've worked for. I've worked right. for some of the most conservative guys um, that are elected. Um, and so I, and I understand those issues. And, and I understand, you know, I think where our state needs to be and how to get our state there. So, and again, I, I'll just say it again because I love saying it. I'm looking, I'm looking on to the November. Oh, I think uh, that's the election. I think that's the election that's going to count. I just, it, it's you, your primary opponent is so apparently unknown. I was unaware there was even one. So then we move on right. to to the to the uh, general election in November, folks. This is a conservative state. It's been a conservative state for years. There were there are historical reasons why the Democratic Party had a foothold for as long that it has had. But that's over. That's done. So the question now becomes, what policy preferences do you, the voter, want? What outcomes do you want? Are you for, for example, stand your ground? You know uh, quite well, Ben, that Bob Ballinger introduced a bill that that is entirely uncontroversial as far as I'm concerned. It's I the agree law, with that. Right? Yeah. It's the law in virtually yeah, every state in this country, and it simply says if you're being attacked or your family's being attacked or someone mm-hmm. else around you is being mm-hmm. attacked and you want to defend mm-hmm. yourself, you don't need to look in, around. In states, in, in, in states might add, that aren't as conservative as we are. But go ahead. Exactly. Exactly. No, but that's a very relevant point, Ben, that this is a law in moderate states. And we are a conservative state by any definition of the term we're a conservative state. Yet we don't have stand your ground. And who killed it, Ben? Who killed it? A so-called Republican. Now, I'm not here at the moment, at least, to bash that so-called Republican. My point in bringing this out with you on the radio is to say, not only do we need to vote for conservatives, all the Democrats uh, voted against that bill, but of course they did. In other words, right, like the old joke about the scorpion, right, which is you expect a scorpion to sting you, right? And so the scorpion gets on the back of the turtle going across the lake, and the turtle says, I'm not going to give you a ride. You're going to sting me. And he said, well, if I sting you, I'm going to, to, to die, too. So I wouldn't do that. Halfway through, the scorpion stings the turtle. The turtle said, what do you do? And he goes, hey, I am what I am. A Democrat is what is a Democrat. That's simple. So we can't blame the Democrats for voting bad. That's their job. But now we've got Republicans who are voting the wrong way. Now we're going to fix that in the next session. But that's why we need conservatives. Go ahead. Yeah, and to tag on to that, and to tag on to that, we are a majority-controlled Republican state. So by and large on most votes, I I, I don't – in many areas in our state, Democrats aren't even relevant Exactly. Unless we make them relevant. There it is. There it is. And we we make them relevant when we elect people under the Republican banner who aren't conservatives. Then what does the word Republican mean? Historically, it's always meant conservative values. If we don't have conservative values, then what? it it, it means nothing. Well, then then who needs who needs a label? Go ahead. No, no, and, and again, I'll just echo everything you say. And, and Bob Ballinger, by the way, is just—he's a great American, amen—and um, just a strong conservative guy. And so, 
when when he brings something, and he's an attorney, by the way. That's right. Um, so when he brings something, um, I think you can pretty much trust it at, 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 that it's going to be vetted. Um, and so, no, I, I I applaud him bringing that legislation. I, I would love to see that legislation come back. Um, oh, it so, will. You know, and if I'm and if I'm elected, I think it. You know, I think it will come back. But if I'm elected, I I look forward to visiting with Bob about that um, because I think we need that. I think it's important. I, look, I, I was at someone's door today, and one of the first things they asked me, uh, and this was a, this by indication was a conservative, mm-hmm. first thing he asked me, he said, where are you on the Second Amendment rights? There you go. And, and, so, and so I had a great conversation with him, and basically what I said, look, it's in our Constitution. I believe the Constitution, and the Constitution says, shall not be infringed. End of story. Exactly. And so we we need to have we need to have that right to keep and bear arms, but that also extends to exercising our right of self defense. Of course. So, so it's more than just having having the gun, um, you know, in the bedside drawer or whatever. But if you're afraid to use it to defend yourself, then what good is it? You know, Ben. That's a very uh, subtle and important point that you bring out there. That. The, the penumbra, the, the groupings of rights around the Second Amendment mean it's not a show right. It is an actual right, right. that is supposed to be effective in our lives. And the only way it's effective right. in our lives is after we have the right to bear arms, we have the right to use those arms in our personal and familial self-defense. Ben, let me right. uh, let me well, let me it- go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead, please. Go I was ahead. just going to say, you know what? Well, let's, take, was... let's take a qu- I'm sorry. We, we got a little time lag on there. We're going to take a quick break, Ben, and then we'll come back and finish up the half hour with you. How's that sound? Uh, sounds perfect. Awesome. Look forward to it. This is the Dave Ellswick Show. I am Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave. And on the phone, we have Ben Gilmore running for state senate in southeast Arkansas. Ben, we were just talking about the Second Amendment, and I want to uh, transition a bit. Uh, I was talking before you came on today about this controversy that exists with this author from uh, the Harry Potter series, and she's a lefty. Yeah, I was right. I, I was listening briefly, and I love what you had to say. But go ahead. Sorry. I appreciate that. And so I wanted to talk with you about free speech and how remarkable yeah. it is that the left has become the attackers of free speech. When to give them credit, in the '60s they were the defenders. I give credit where right. credit's due. They were the defenders sure. of free speech, and these days they attack but, free but, speech. Go ahead. But here, here's what we here's what we see. I think consistently from the liberal left, from Democrats, uh, is they constantly move the goalposts. That's so right. They agree in defending. They agree in defending free speech when it's their speech. They're mm-hmm. trying to defend, mm-hmm. um, and, and when it's something they agree with, they're all for it. That's right. Um, so. Uh, you know, and this is not exactly, I think, what you were talking about, but it, but it is very similar. Uh, we had a situation down here in southeast Arkansas, in Warren, actually. Um, the county judge of Bradley County, mm-hmm. uh, great guy, conservative guy, supporting me, um, had gotten a letter from the ACLU. Mm-hmm. Here it comes. Threatening to sue threatening to sue him mm-hmm. if he didn't move the nativity oh. off the courthouse grounds. Oh now, granted, this nativity had been there for decades. Mm-hmm. Decades. Mm-hmm. 
everyone, I mean, it was an icon in the community, in that county, in the city of Warren. But they threatened to sue him. And they threatened to sue him based on precedent where they had won another case, uh, maybe in Texarkana or someplace. And, and they used that and basically said, we're going to make you spend $100,000 to defend this. Mm-hmm. Terrible. This is the kind of this is the kind of stuff they do. That's right. And and, and you know, and I talked to the county judge, and, and he, again, he's a great guy. And he he called me up, and we talked about it because I took to social media on this. Mm-hmm. Good for and, you. And uh, I got I got called out by the likes of Max Brantley and and others. Which well, that's a badge of honor, and I know Max. Exactly. That's a badge of honor. <laughs> I agree, but but you know, it's a shame. It is a shame that. You know, we have we have decades of precedent. It's been there. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Now it makes them uncomfortable or or whatever it is. It doesn't agree with their beliefs, so it's wrong. Well, it's, an, so it's anti-religion. It's, let's be clear. It's anti-religion. Well, it is. And the First is. Amendment is not anti-religion. It's the freedom of religion. It's exactly right. It's exactly right. Yeah, it, it's, not if, it's not if it agrees with your beliefs. Right. It's, you know what? Rob has the right to believe whatever he wants. That's right. I don't have to believe what Rob believes. That's right. Rob has that right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just frustrating. And, and, and when you see this in southeast Arkansas, which is a very conservative area of our state, and you're just, it just it, it blows your mind. You're like, this, this is ridiculous. It Absolutely is ridiculous. ridiculous. But you know what? What I saw come from that, and it is a credit to County Judge and, and many others in that county, is as a result, they got rid of one nativity, but hundreds of nativities popped up. Good for them across the county. Good for across them. the county. So that was that was a beautiful thing to see, and I applaud those folks uh, for for doing that. But, a- amen. But yeah, no, and I, no pun intended. Yeah, <laughs> right. Right. That's right. But 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 this is again going back to my earlier statement. This is what they do, though. They move the goalposts. That's right. They they're all for free speech as long as it's their speech. That's it. They're all for. Uh, you know, whatever, whatever rights, you, you know, I could start in on the transgender and homosexual or whatever, as long as it's something they want to do. That's right. Um, and, and we and we as conservatives, especially, uh, you know, folks running for office and folks that are elected, owe it to their constituents to take a stand on this stuff. That's because right. The only reason they win is when we don't do anything. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And so. We need to ensure, uh, and we're going to do it in the next session with, with the Hammer-Ballinger bill that I was mentioning, but it's a broader point. Yeah. We need to ensure that Arkansans have their First Amendment rights, but I say it that way as a shorthand, meaning the First Amendment actually doesn't protect all these rights. We can enhance the First Amendment through statute, through law. Right. That's all you do. You say, right. oh, the First Amendment doesn't right. guarantee that because the courts have narrowed what the First Amendment says. And too much, right. if you ask me, but it is what it is. But you can always write a law. Well, I, Go ahead. And, and and I think you bring up a really good point earlier when I was listening right before I came on. Mm-hmm. When you were talking about those in government or, uh, let's say, school teachers. Right. Um, who, who, you know, may say something in a classroom mm-hmm. um, that is their belief and it's the right thing. But you know what? They could face retaliation oh, as yeah. a result of that. Oh, we've and seen cases, Ben. Pers- 
We've seen cases. Yeah. There are school teachers oh, I... who at home on their Facebook will post something about, um, oh, I don't believe in gay marriage, says this school teacher. Or uh, I have my concerns about illegal immigration, says another uh, school teacher. Or I have my concerns yeah. about um, transgender issues when it comes to the mm-hmm. use of bathrooms mm-hmm. in elementary school. Mm-hmm. And these people yeah. have been attacked by le- generally leftists, but it really corporatist administrators within school districts mm-hmm. who say, you're not allowed to have any opinion. We're less concerned that it's a conservative opinion, although they're coming down on the conservatives. We're concerned you have yeah. any opinion. And we need to pass yeah. legislation and, and to, to protect be clear, that. And, and to be clear, this is this is something to protect not only my views, That's but right. the the view of my neighbor down the street, or your view, Rob. That's I mean, right. This is not this is not pushing our agenda. This is protecting everyone's right to think freely to be who they want to be. That's exactly uh, going right. Going back to what the founders what the founders said, you know, this is this is to protect their rights to pursue happiness. Um, so, you know, you know, one thing that I would point out that, that we need to start thinking about is what about these teachers that teach science and biology and say there are it's binary. There is a male and a female. Right. You know, when when are right. they going to come under attack for saying that? Good luck. And that's teaching science. That's right. Yeah, that's absolutely. right. That's exactly right. And, you know, uh, we've only got a, a short time left. But, Ben, you're you're absolutely right on this. Biology used to be hard and fast science, and now it's becoming uh, uh, subject to the political whims of the left. And uh, you're also right. If there's somebody at home in their footsie pajamas and they're on their Facebook uh, page and they want to write something like, oh, um, I believe that a person can change sex day to day. We conservatives would not object to them writing that. We don't agree with the substance of it. We don't agree with it. Right. But you write whatever you want on your Facebook page. That's the, that's the, go ahead. And this goes back to, this goes back to, you know, when I took to social media and and defending the the Bradley County and the judge for, for you. you know, having a nativity. And, you know, I immediately, I immediately get called out from the left being I, I i was called well i can't say on air what i was actually ah, called uh, well, ben, in, in in max brentley's article of course but, but that but that's the tactics they use that's right? it ben that's we're com- again, look ben we're coming I, down in the I last few been, seconds i gotta cut you off i really appreciate it godspeed on the trail hey, we look forward to seeing you in it. the senate thanks for having me on rob god bless This is the Dave Ellswick Show. I am Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave Ellswick today. Zach, you know, it says in the lead-in that uh, Dave, of course, is a talk legend, and yet I just legendarily talk. I'm not sure those are the same thing. Uh, Zach's giving me, the, giving me the nod again, and it ain't a good one, folks. Trust me. It ain't a good one. We have on the line with us right now attorney Joey Price from the Quattlebaum Law Firm. Joey, uh, unfortunately for him, uh, was once a student of mine, 
but he's recovered from that loss and is now a brilliant practicing attorney. Joey, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Robert? I'm doing well, thank you, my friend. Joey, tell us, by the way, give us a little bit of history. You you are at the Quattlebaum firm. You're a partner there. How long have you been there? I'm afraid I don't know the full name of the firm, although I know John Toll's name is in it, and I'm a big admirer of John. So give, give us the full name if you could. Yeah, absolutely. I've uh, worked at the Quattlebaum Grooms and Toll Law Firm. Uh, since 2007, after I graduated uh, law school at UALR. Terrific. Now, I know, of course, as I mentioned, John Tull is there. Are the other two still uh, around? I don't know how old the law firm is. I don't mean to suggest a, an unnatural death if they are. Uh, so who's who are the players at the firm? Absolutely. No, uh, all of our partners still practice. Uh, Steve Quattlebaum uh, is a practicing uh, litigation attorney. Uh, he does a lot of mass torts uh, mm-hmm. in and out of the state of Arkansas. Great. Uh, Tim Grooms is uh, in charge of our real estate section mm-hmm. uh, and banking section. He uh, He's probably the most well-known Real estate lawyer in Arkansas. Oh, terrific! And uh, I can't I can't remember what uh, affiliation it was, but he recently was put into a Hall of Fame. Oh, wow! For fantastic legal work. So, yeah, fantastic. Uh, and then, of course, John Tall, who is uh, known for his Freedom of Information Act and First Amendment uh, litigation experience. That's exactly right. Uh, and as you know, uh, as a co-author of the treatise on the Freedom of Information Act. Uh, it's a personal interest of mine, and I consult often with John and, and vice versa. Uh, I think he's a great mind in general and a great mind when it comes to Freedom of Information Act law. And so it's really wonderful to have him as a colleague in this area of law. And it's wonderful to have you as a strong litigator in the state of Arkansas. We need strong litigators. I hope uh, one day sooner than later you'll run for judge because we need smart thinking, right thinking, good litigators uh, in those positions. We have some, but some positions are not well filled, if you ask my opinion. But we're not here to talk about future political aspirations uh, in any great detail. Uh, I wanted to have you on to talk about a case that you're involved in, that you're handling, that you're the lead attorney on, I should say, in which it's really a major case. You have a a federal lawsuit. I don't know. I understood you're filing a a companion state lawsuit. I don't know if that's been done or not. uh, Regarding um, the right, essentially, of faculty members to have free speech. We were talking about on the air with with Ben Gilmore and I was discussing with the audience before the the constraints on free speech that are being uh, impressed uh, through oppressive means in society today, generally from the left. And you're dealing with a, a related notion, and that is it used to be that professors could have some control over what they say and what they do, so they so that their political and philosophical viewpoints would not be uh, uh, manipulated by administrators, by government actors. And yet that protection uh, is being weakened and you're seeking to fight that. And I'll say finally, before I turn it over to you, that's a protection these days in academia that conservatives need. I'm not saying there are no liberals out there that need that protection. There are. But the big attack on 
thought and speech, as I discussed in the first segment on the show, is against conservatives who have things, who have the temerity to say things like, well, it's impossible to change one sex. That was from an article we were talking about earlier. That's a conservative viewpoint. The left would tell you that gender and sex is entirely fluid and you're not allowed to say the contrary. So tell us a little bit more about this case, and I've, I've teased the audience, so you may need to give a little bit more background than I've provided. Right, right. Well, and, and Rob, I think it is, uh, and it's more kind of going into what you were talking about. It's, it's a viewpoint uh, aspect of this that is viewed through political lens, mm-hmm. uh, either left or right, and really speech is speech. Speech is not right-wing speech or left-wing speech. Speech is speech, and it's all protected uh, except for those certain circumstances, uh, you know, shouting fire in a building uh, or in a a crowded movie theater, things like that. But, you know, where, where we've come in society is that people think that they have free speech rights bar none everywhere, and we know that that's also not true. Mm-hmm. Uh, private actors uh, can limit speech. They can, they can you know, put uh, constraints on speech mm-hmm. uh, that government actors can't. That's right. And so that's where our lawsuit comes in is that we've got the state of Arkansas, the Board of Trustees, uh, not through any uh, direct uh, attempts to limit speech, uh, but they do it in a pretextual way through the tenure tenure system. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, what they've done here is they had we had four uh, pretty well-known, pretty, pretty well-researched uh, grounds for termination in the in the employee handbook uh, for tenured professors uh, in the University of Arkansas system. And what they have done is they have expanded those to basically swallow all protections that the tenure system allows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that includes the right to, uh, to make controversial statements. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, are, there are grounds for termination now that if liberal professor, conservative professor, any professor, if, if they made statements that a board, if one board member didn't like uh, or if one administrator didn't like, the the new 12 grounds that they've got for termination uh, swallows the protections of free speech whole. That's very distressing. It's very distressing. As you know, Joey, uh, I worked with several legislators last session to pass a bill. It's now law that creates greater free speech rights on campuses, largely for students, but somewhat for faculty as well. But it only tangentially addresses the issue here it, it, in no way. Uh, meaning it just touches on a margin of the issues here. So it's not available as a significant protection. Um, and as you mentioned, these professors that you are representing have tenure. They have a contract that they took it took many years before they were granted this contract. Some people like to call it a lifetime contract. That's not a true statement. It's a for-cause contract, meaning you won't be fired unless you did something wrong. You're not an at-will employee, but that's not lifetime because either you can do something actually wrong or you retire. 
um, or you die. So those are not lifetime. Well, I guess the death would be a lifetime contract, but the other two are not lifetime contracts, but it's a for-cause contract. By the way, professional sports players have for-cause contracts. Uh, CEOs of corporations have for-cause contracts. So there's nothing particularly controversial about it, but that type of contract is what protects professors when they want to say something that might be deemed controversial, like as I discussed in the first um, segment on this show, uh, when someone uh, apparently said, a researcher said, it's impossible to change one's sex, and the left came after this person, attacked this person. Could you imagine if a professor in the ultra-leftist environment of academia were to say such a thing anywhere in this country, you know you would see leftist administrators coming after that professor for making that innocuous statement. And so that's why your lawsuit, the lawsuit in which you're representing these four professors, is so critically important. If we send our kids to college... We have to have some sense that they're not being indoctrinated by a leftist madrasa, by a leftist indoctrination center where they're all lockstep with some leftist administrators being told, this is what you must say or you will be fired. So what's the status of the case now, Joey? So currently uh, the the university has move to dismiss the case mm-hmm. uh, we have briefed those issues and they are now waiting for the court to uh to make a determination on that terrific terrific and this is in federal court right it is in federal court and little rock that is correct and who's who's the judge on the case uh judge jay moody oh very good very good great judge terrific He's a great judge terrific well i'm i'm really hopeful that you will get um, your day in court. The, the problem that I see too much in all courts across this country, federal, state, and alike, is that uh, some big corporate or state body is the defendant, and they come in and they say, no, we don't want to go to trial. We don't want to give people their day in court. We want the court to throw out the case. They're afraid They're afraid to have the matter actually heard. They look for procedural reasons to get rid of the case. And so I am hopeful that Judge Moody will say, well, let's let's hear what's there. Let's move ahead. We saw that fairly recently with um, I forget the name of the the judge. I think he's he's senior status now in the district court. And he handled that um, um, that turning point case with Ashley Hogarth. And, uh, of course, that was against ASU. ASU moved to dismiss the case as well, much like the process that you're describing for your lawsuit uh, against the University University of Arkansas. And Holmes, it was Judge Holmes. And Judge Holmes said, "Uh, not so quick. Not so quick. The the, uh, plaintiff has stated a cause of action here. Let's see which way this goes. And that's, I, I really admire that. That's what courts should be doing. That's what many courts do do. But unfortunately, sometimes you see courts too quickly dispose of cases. And that's a problem. Joey, uh, we've got a few more minutes before I'm going to let you go. uh, But I wanted to ask you uh, now, as I sort of alluded to earlier, 
when can we see you running for judge? I want to see you in office. I want to see you to be a judge, hopefully here at the state level, at the circuit court level, because, of course, every level is an important level. But so many cases are finally disposed of at the trial level. People like me, we can take cases uh, to the Supreme Court uh, whenever we want to. And I do. I take cases all the way till the end to the Supreme Court. But a lot of folks can't afford to do that. And so we need to get the right answers by judges uh, um, at the trial level. So I want you to seriously consider running for the circuit court here in Pulaski County. I think we do have some good judges here. I think we have some judges that, uh, well, shall we put it this way, Joey, uh, would be better off in a different career. How's that? For being polite, that, you know, that's, that's, that's I've, very polite. Isn't that polite? You've always known me to be an exceedingly polite, polite person. Um, <laughs> so, what's on the horizon for Joey Price? Well, you know, I've uh, I seriously considered a run for judge in 2020, mm-hmm. uh, and with you know, in consideration with family and friends, decided that uh, this time around was not 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 the time. Okay, uh, it is something that is still. Uh, very intriguing to me, mm-hmm. uh, and it's something that I uh, believe that I could do a very good job at. I know you could. Uh, it just, it just didn't. Uh, this time around, didn't feel like the right time. All right, uh, all right. And you know, part of part of being a judge is that you have to be a politician. And, Absolutely. Uh, that is, uh, you know. You know me, and I feel like that's kind of hard for me to do sometimes. Well, and so uh, I, I've I, got to get better at that uh, before I can seriously consider running as well. Well, indeed. And when when you say that I know you're not good at being a politician, I take that as meaning I know that you're not good at being anything other than true to yourself, true to your family, true to the state, and true to uh, this country. And that's why we need you to run for office. That's why I'm starting today the um, uh, have Joey Price run in the next, whatever the next one is, I don't know, 2021, 2022 election for circuit court, presuming, well, there's, there's always some opening somewhere uh, in, in that circuit. It's a big circuit. So we're going to get yeah. you in there, Joey. You're going to do a great job. You're going to do a great job on this case that you're handling uh, against the state because one of the things that lawyers need to understand is they can't just kowtow to the big corporations and to the big state actors. They need to challenge those uh, entities because if left unchecked, you will have no rights left. My father always taught me you have no rights unless you enforce them. And it's people like you that enforce those rights. Joey, it was an honor and a privilege to have you on the show today. We're going to have you back soon to give us some updates uh, on the case. In the meantime, we wish, wish you and your family the best. And we're going to take a break right now. This is the Dave Ellswick Show. I am Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave on this Friday afternoon. We have on the line for the last few minutes of this half hour, Robbie from Marmel. Robbie, how are you? I always enjoy it when you're on. Uh, I have a little phone to pick with you, though. Your last guest said something that makes my toes curl, and it's, it's often said. People say that speech is not, free speech is not absolute because you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. Well, yes, you can if there's a fire. That's right. So, so what we need to, the message we need to be putting out is what is is not that you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. 
as to take away people's speech, but we need to be putting out the message that you can't use your speech in a false manner, lying, slandering, to cause harm to other people. Well, Robbie, you bring out an excellent point, uh, but we need and we need to be cautious with it, uh, but uh, but focused with it indeed. So you're absolutely right. right. There are limited exceptions to free speech. One is the fire in this in the theater. It's a little that test. That's the shorthand for the test. The test is actually a little bit more complicated, but your point is right on the money. The other one, of course. Go ahead. But why is it limited? It's limited because it's a lie. So what we need to point out to people is you can't just go around spreading false truths, lies, and trying to cause harm. Actually, because, that's not that's not because, why it's limited. Because if it was a lie, then you would have the government telling you, "Oh, well, we don't agree with this. That's a lie." We don't, and you'd have the lefties telling you, "We don't agree with this, so that's a lie." And then everybody gets to say everything else is a lie, and then you have no free speech at all. The reason, well, what I mean is, but let me true. just let me just finish this one point, Robbie. The sure. reason it's limited is because not only is it a lie, it has the immediate potential to cause physical harm. And so in that narrow circumstance, we will restrict it. But in general, right. So in general, though, if someone says something that's not true, right. No, no, no. But the question is physical harm, real harm. So the lefties right now, their position is, well, you say that uh, um, I'm a man, even though I've decided that I'm a woman. I feel that I'm harmed by your speech because that is, according to me, this is the lefty talking, that's hate speech. So I'm harmed. Now, that can't be the standard for free speech because by that definition, there's no free speech because everybody gets to say that everybody else's opinion stinks. Everybody else's opinion is harmful. You know, it's sort of like what they say about bad breath and other things. They say everybody's got it and they think everybody else's stinks. And it's the same thing about speech. If you want to say that anything you don't like is harmful, then there is no free speech. So the definition needs to be much more narrow than some sort of amorphous concept of harm. It needs to be manifest, real, physical harm. That's good. And, and I understand that. And, right. and when I say harm, I mean injury, you know, hurting someone physically. And, and, but I, I guess my point is, is that the reason it is limited is because it is bearing false witness and it is causing harm to people. So, uh, and I guess it gets, that gets past people. So, so sure. that our, our speech, and, and, and that's what I wanted to point out. I think that's and, a good and, point. And the Bible um, prohibits bearing fa- false witness, as you aptly suggest. And... Of course, we have biblical rules, we have civil rules, meaning not everything in the Bible is a law. Not every law is found in the Bible, obviously. There's no antitrust violations in the Bible, for example. Uh, so uh, there is certainly a sort of overlapping and non-overlapping areas, and it's morally wrong to say false statements about others. It may be, it may be legally prohibited under some of these narrow exceptions to free speech, but it might not be as well. So, anyway, Robbie, we really appreciate your call. These are some excellent insights. And this is the kind of conversation, folks, that we need to be having. Meaning, I welcome these comments. Robbie's comments were largely supportive. But I welcome both supportive and challenging comments regarding how we define free speech. I in no way suggest that this is an easy avenue that we go down. Democracy, if I may borrow a phrase, is messy. Freedom is messy. Guess what? 
conformity is not messy. Uh, being subject to totalitarianism as a subject is not messy. They are just immoral, and they suck the life out of our rights. Think about that as we go to this break. Which meant they had these kind of flop houses with mattresses thrown on the ground when they were literally fighting, shooting each other out, and they would stay away from their families so as to not bring them into the fight. But I think <laughs> I think that's a, a great analogy, meaning you really have to give it your all, and you've always got, given it your all when you're litigating cases uh, and, and, and everything that you've done. And that's why I keep pushing you, and I, and I think, I hope I'm going, going to be successful in having you ultimately uh, run for state senate uh, in what will be Jason Rapert's open Senate seat up there in Faulkner County uh, because you fight for people. That's right. right. You don't fight for entities and you don't fight for big corporations. That's You're right. not, you, you, you didn't get a job in daddy's company with a silver spoon in your mouth, retired no. at 50 because uh, you get things handed to you. You've worked hard all your life. You've represented all sorts of folks, downtrodden folks, poor folks, regular folks, not poor folks too. That's right. Anybody. That's right. Uh, and you, you take the fight um, to whoever you need to take the fight to. And that means if you, if you need to fight big government, or big corporations, or big entities, you will do it. And that's, that's, a, that's what people do want and should want in their state and, and indeed federal uh, representatives. And too often, uh, too many of these crony hacks run for office, not because they want to help you, not because they want to represent you, not because they want to do good, because they want a job title. They want to feel fancy when they go to their Georgetown parties, uh, grabbing the stems of their Chardonnay, swilling their <laughs> their uh, um, uh, $60 or $600 a bottle wine in wine caves, for example, uh, and don't really care about the little right. guy, the average guy. Well, it's it's individuals that make changes, right? That's right. It's not committees. Mm-hmm. It's not commissions. Mm-hmm. It's the individuals that come up and, and stand up for something that's right. And we need more individuals. That's right. And um, I've got some time to decide. That's I've got right. A little bit of, the race is not until 2022. Right. Um, I think uh, there's a uh, eighth, eighth Circuit Court of Appeals case that says I can, uh, if, if, if he wins, right, then I can come out and start saying I'm running for office in February of 2020. Okay. So I've got some time. Yeah, there's plenty of time. <clears throat> plenty of time. Uh, but you are a person. That, look, you, we know some great folks in the legislature right now. Right. We've, we've had them on the show. We've talked to them. You and I have met with them and helped them in pushing legislation. Uh, not too many people know it, but um, Chris was instrumental uh, in our workings on the Dave Ellswick free speech on campus bill. Uh, uh, Chris and I met with folks, university folks, uh, to help hash out language on that bill. We didn't have a complete agreement there. And in the end, uh, the bill that passed was not to the ultimate liking of the universities. But to be clear, that's the point. That's the point, because the universities didn't want any constraints on their behavior, and they were doing some less than ideal behavior, right? They defined free speech as allowed in free speech zones, and as Chris pointed out in one of those meetings, I thought America's a free speech zone. That's outrageous. These, these are, these are um, publicly owned pieces of land, right, that are supposed to be promoting new ideas. We want to hear from 
these graduates. We want to hear from these these students with new and fresh ideas. But they, they're gonna we're gonna limit them and what they can say. We're gonna limit them at putting up a a table with some literature on there. Hey, think about this. And then they send out the the guys with the guns and the badges. Say you got to leave. That's and essentially what happened. That's exactly leave. what happened. It's exactly you what can't happened. be here. No, no, you can't be here. By the way. Let, Chris, I'm curious, I say somewhat sarcastically, what political persuasion was the person manning the booth, personing the booth, perhaps, manning the booth that was handing out that literature? Was the person leftist? That's right. Or the person a conservative? Yeah, it was turning point, right? Of course it was. Of course it was. Yeah, come on. Right? Because... To borrow uh, uh, Joe Biden's phrase, come on, man. Come on, man. That's right. They didn't like what they had to say. There it is. But it's right next to the credit card applications and the free T-shirts and the, hey, join this group and that group. But you can't. Oh, Were they no. kicked off of campus? No. Uh, no, they weren't. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it's baby steps, right? So the, the bill's a baby step in the right direction. Did it get everything we wanted? No. But it got it got a little bit there. It got a little bit it there. It got, yeah, it got more than half there. Right. Exactly. And, of course, we're going to work on continuing that. We're okay. going to work on the free speech for government employees bill that we've talked uh, several times today already on the air about uh we've got to ensure that the people of arkansas are at the forefront of freedom of speech we are at the forefront of many things and not at others and one thing so far that we need to do better at is free speech the other thing we need to do better at is taxes Taxes. oh my gosh oh yeah Oh, well, my gosh. You, you say that we've got some good folks down at the legislature, right? Why can they get rid of the used car tax? What happened? They, so they raised the limit on what you have to pay? If you have, What do you have to pay? They, I think they raised the limit to 7500 bucks instead of 2500 but they're going to piecemeal that No, no, no. Time? I think there was some bill that raised it. They wanted to raise it to, I think, 7500 Didn't even pass. It didn't get done? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that that kind of stuff's outrageous to me. That they can't even I mean, once and and folks out there got to be listening. Uh, they got to pay attention when they pass these taxes. It's not like you can easily get rid of these things, and these taxes impact uh, impact you in several ways. Your money in your pocket, going out, enjoyment of life. I mean, you got people got to these. Are, it's an erosion of your rights. It's a it's a small little baby step, and and people got to wake up and go. Wait a minute, that's not right. You can't do that. And start, start asking questions. Well, it's like turning that analogy of turning up the heat with the frog in the in the bowl of hot water. And they say that the frog doesn't notice it when you slowly increase the heat and then the frog dies. I don't know if that's true or not. But putting yeah. that aside, the analogy nonetheless is uh, illustrious uh, and uh, uh, no, illustrative, I think. In any yeah. event. No, it's I mean, nice. It's right. like it's, it's the same thing here. You know, they keep chipping away. Oh, it's a little. It's a half cent. Half right. cent out of a dollar, right. by the right. way. Half cent, not a half cent out of all my taxes. Yeah. Hey, you want a half cent for the year? I'll give you a dollar. And it's, well, and I'll it's give a, you a dollar for the whole year. Yeah, It's not a dollar for the whole year. It's not a half cent. It's a half cent out of every dollar that I spend. That's right. And well, Wait, Rob. It's for your benefit. Oh, right? it's always for my benefit. Oh, wait, these occupational right. licenses, yeah. they're for your right. benefit. Right. They got, you got one hand in my wallet. That's Another right. hand, I don't even want to say where you're putting it. And it's all for my benefit. It's all you for know? your benefit. Why can't you I pay went, for this? I went, I went where? to the doctor recently. He strapped on a glove. And yeah. he says, this is for your benefit. I said, no. <laughs> no, thank you. No benefit. No bueno. No, thank you. Yeah, that's the universal lie, Rob. And that's yeah. one you got to watch out for, right? Yeah. This is for your benefit. That's oh, right. really? 
You're, the government's going to protect us. That's it. We have nothing to worry about. What's right? to worry? Yeah. It's a big mass of unaccountable people who are getting paid with your money. Yeah. What's to worry yeah. about, And Chris? then when you try to sue them, they say, oh, we're, we're immune. Mm-hmm. Sovereign immunity. Mm-hmm. What? What? Yeah. Come on, man. Give my day in court. Yep. In front of a jury of our peers. That's right. That's right. And those folks, this notion of sovereign immunity, folks, says if the state harms you, you can't sue them. And there are a few people, not many, frankly, but a few people say, oh, it's a good idea because it saves taxpayers dollars. No, it don't. No, it don't. Because guess who gets harmed when the state harms someone? A taxpayer. That's right. A taxpayer. Yeah. Do you want to be the one who's getting harmed? Because that's your money. Right. You're a taxpayer. And mm-hmm. you're getting harmed. This, the state takes your property and you get harmed. That's a taxpayer. <laughs> so don't tell me the state... That you save money, you lose money. And the more the state does this, the more citizens of Arkansas are harmed. That's right. So what happens when they start taking away your guns and you can't sue them? That's right. How's that? No, thank you. Oh, well, well, you see, you see, we're going to we're going to buy back those guns from you. Say the lefties like that uh, Beto O'Rourke down in Texas. Well, well, we're going to buy them back. Yeah. When did I go to the Beto O'Rourke gun show? To buy a gun in the first place. Yeah. I didn't buy a gun from him. You ain't buying nothing back from me. You stealing it from me. Yeah. And and this is outrageous, Rob. Governments don't create jobs, right? Exactly. The NASDAQ reached 9,000 yeah. just recently. Yeah. Record, record highs. Right, right. The government did that, right? Oh, yeah. No. Right. Come on, man. Right. Wake up. Exactly. These are people uh, that have the perception of confidence, right? We've got someone in office that's making changes, mm-hmm. and they're after him for it. Mm-hmm. The swamp, the folks in the swamp, they're after him for it. They've impeached him. Of course they have. And now, But now the, the regular citizens are like, hey, wait a minute. We like this. We like this confidence. I've got a little money in the bank. Maybe I'll go invest it. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll go build that building. Maybe I'll make those renovations. I mm-hmm. see some work going on down in the, downtown Little Rock. Think that's government money being spent yeah. down there? Well, it is. It is when the government uh, takes your tax dollars for the hamburger tax and buys that building that you oh, mentioned on the last man. show. What's there- up with that? I don't know. I, I still want to look into that. I want to see how they're operating as a landlord. Yeah. Right. So the government buys a private building and now they're a, a, a landlord competing against other private companies. That's exactly right. Yeah. Your tax dollars. My, my 2% hamburger tax. So I, I bought a government building. Yeah. You and I and everybody listening to the show, every time we go to David's Burgers yeah. or All Aboard or any restaurant, we, we bought we bought the government uh, uh, a building downtown. What? It, they, they, that's exactly what yeah. happened with the money. We pay for it. Yeah. We pay for it. I need to buy them a building. Yeah. They don't have enough of my money. Exactly. Right? So now, and the building is to advertise restaurants. I know what restaurants exist. Yeah. No, it's actually to bring in uh, tourism, right? Oh, tourism. tourism. Yeah. Have, have you seen hang any with advertising us. Come hang from them? In Little Rock. Have you seen any advertising from them? You know I what? I've looked. Yeah. I think maybe I've seen maybe one, maybe a billboard or something at $1,000 a month. Yeah, that's money well spent, right? Yeah. After the 2% tax. Right. Uh, I, I've spent a thousand dollars in two percent tax at David's Burgers alone. <laughs> All right, chew on that fat for a minute. We're going to take a break, and we'll come back after these messages. We'll figure it out. This is the Dave Ellswick Show. I am Robert Steinbeck filling in for Dave in the studio with me, Chris Corbett. Chris Corbett, who I will convince to run for state senate in Faulkner County. Now, Chris, conservatives, they're, they're, as I mentioned to you, as I mentioned to Dave's audience in the past, 
I have started the Steinbuck scorecard. I like the Steinbuck scorecard. Well, of course I do too, because it's named after me. <laughs> now, of course I named it, but I like this. Zach's nodding his head again. The Steinbuck <laughs> scorecard is good because this is how it works. I look at whatever conservative issues I decide are important at the moment, and I tell you whether or not that politico gets a thumbs up or a thumbs down. That's it. That's the analysis. So Only important at the moment? These are universal principles, right? I agree with that. That's okay. a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. But my point in saying that is simply to say, well, somebody said, well, what about my vote on Sunday? No, I don't care about that one. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. It's time to put up or shut up for these politicos. And I want to see lower taxes. I want to see a commitment to the Second Amendment. And let's be clear what I mean by that. A commitment to individuals' rights to defend themselves with the right to bear arms. Yeah. Ben Gilmore was on the show earlier. He made what I, I said it even then on, on the air. A really important, subtle, and sophisticated legal point, which is the Second Amendment says you have the right to bear arms. Then we started to talk about stand your ground laws. Yeah. And he said... It doesn't mean anything to, ha- to have a right to bear arms if you can't thereafter use those arms defensively to protect yourself, your family, your friends, your neighbors, your community. So if you don't have stand your ground, then the Second Amendment doesn't mean what it's supposed to mean. And I think that's a wonderful point. That's why we need people like Ben Gilmore as well in the state Senate. I think that's a wonderful point. You've, you've grown up hunting, right, and shooting. I did. Yeah. I did. Six, six, seven years old. Is that right? So, I mean, yeah, I'm comfortable around firearms, weapons, guns. And what do, you th- th- what do you think of this notion of, um, you know, in, in I think Virginia, they're, they're starting to confiscate guns, literally confiscate guns. That's outrageous. I haven't heard that. Yeah. Yeah. Is it on some news blurb or something? It's, yeah, there's some new law that the leftist governor enacted, uh, and they're going around, and there's a lot of areas in Virginia that are conservative. Yeah. It's not the area next to D.C. Right. Because, of course, D.C. feeds on the government teat. Yeah. Those, that's a leftist ideology, not a conservative one. But uh, out out in the state, in the hinterland, they're, they're regular folks that hunt, shoot, and they're, yeah. they're really upset about this. Could you imagine something like that happening in this state? You know, there are folks that would, would seek to reverse the law passed by Charlie Collins that allows individuals to campus carry. What do you think of that idea? It's Well, that, that's outrageous to reverse. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you call it a gun-free zone, we've talked about it before, that, then who's going to, the criminal's going to, he's not going to care just because it's a criminal. I mean, it's a, it's a free gun zone, gun-free zone. What is that? I can't, I can't believe they even came up with that. Um, it's, it's outrageous. And, and to think that they need to be repealing stuff, people have to be aware that this degradation of your rights can, can really affect you. And the folks that, that end up taking your guns, it's going to be your neighbor. Hey, we're just enforcing the law and getting paid while we do it through the government, right? Ouch. It's not going to be some foreign government or some enemy. It's going to be your neighbor. So, I mean, 
if, if someone shows up to take my guns, then they better bring some guns. <laughs> right? You mean to trade? Uh, yeah. Did you have to trade you? <laughs> it, we're going to the car swap? They're I'm like, just oh, saying, well, that's... you can take my Chevy, I'll take your Ford? Yeah, huh? exactly. All right. And is that a threat? Yeah, it's a threat. Mm-hmm. That's a, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a fact. Man, that's, that's a fact. It's not yeah. a threat. It's a fact. Right. Yeah. That's gonna you know a, a threat is something that might happen. Right. That, right. That's just something that would. Happen. This would happen. Yeah, it's not a threat. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. So that, if they're, I mean, I hope those folks in Virginia figure that out. Right. And maybe they've got some good legislators up there. Shut you, it down. You, of course, you've got a family. You've got a wife. You've got kids. You've yeah. got dogs. You've got two more dogs. You just adopted. I did. Right. So what what would you do if someone broke in your house in the middle of the night? Well. Uh, yeah, that'd be that man. You've got to have a gun ready, right? Because they're tell me. guns. If you they tell bro- me. If they break into your house, if they're the police, you hope they announce themselves. Mm-hmm. We've read numerous stories together about how uh, someone fires fires on someone breaking into the house, and they're right. the police. So you got to. It's got to be. You got to be careful out there, mm-hmm. right? And um, don't be knocking on doors at two o'clock in the morning or sneaking in someone's house. Mm-hmm. But how do you protect yourself? Right. What 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 could you do if you didn't? If you have a family at home. You're one person, and someone's breaking into the house, and you don't have a gun. Yeah, that's tough. Oh, you can call the cops. Yeah. You go, How's that going to work? 911. Yeah, 911. Right. Are they, are they going to get there in time? No. Mm-hmm. Come on. How'd that work at, at Parkland? Exactly. Right? Yeah, the guy didn't come in and help. Yeah. Well, the one guy who was there didn't come in and help, and the other guys who were coming to help, good good cops, they took, I don't know, it was nine, 14 minutes, something like that, because you got to travel. you got to travel. Right. Meanwhile, bad guys are going harming you. So this notion that, well, you see, we're going to ban guns. So, well, of course, the criminals aren't going to have any guns. Really? Really? And what the lefties don't seem to understand is they say, well, but you ban murder and still we have some murder. Yes, but there's no minimal level of murder that's good. All murder is bad. <laughs> A minimal level of, of gun ownership is is good because it dissuades the bad guy from coming. That's why, as you pointed out a moment ago, the gun-free zone is not a gun-free zone. It is a bad guy magnet zone is what it is. It says to bad guys, bring your guns here. With that, we will take this break. Dave Ellswick Show. I am Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave on this Friday afternoon. In the studio, we have attorney, engineer, master plumber. Did I leave anything out? You like that? Land surveyor. Yeah, land surveyor, Chris Corbett. And on the line, we have Senator Bart Hester. Bart, welcome to the Dave Ellswick Show. How are you? And great. Thanks for having me, Robert. Oh, it's my sincere pleasure. Now, I got winged early and often that you are going to run for, now tell me if I have this right, you're going to run for, is it Senate Majority Leader uh, here? Well, I'm, I'm, okay. I'm, curr- I'm currently the Senate Majority Leader, okay. but I, I am going to I'm going to run for the President of the Senate for uh, the pre- 2021 cycle. There yeah. it is. I'm so terrible with the terms. I'm lucky I even knew it in the Federal Senate, and I was a staffer there, and I still couldn't get those terms. So you're currently the Majority Leader. I take it that's the number two position? 
Well, it's it's the number one within the Republican Party and in the Arkansas, you know, uh, state. So the uh, then there's a president of the Senate that kind of uh, you know his main job is to make sure everyone's treated fairly and that the process works correctly. Got it. And that's it, but that's the highest position one can have in the Senate. Uh, that's correct. And and currently that's uh, Senator Hendren, isn't that right? Yeah, Senator Jim Hendren of uh, Sulphur Springs or the Gravit area, Northwest Arkansas. Got it. And and yes, yeah, so I had heard that you were going to run for Senate president, I should say, and I uh, am endorsing you for that position. I think it's wonderful. We uh, look forward to your good, continued conservative leadership. Tell everybody, by the way, where you're from, where your district is, uh, so that uh, we all have a sense of uh, who you who you represent, in addition, of course, in general, to the folks of Arkansas and uh, Mass. Sure. Well, uh, um, about a third of Benton County, which includes uh, the city of Bentonville, Centerton, Cave Springs, which is where I live, a smaller town outside of outside of those, and uh, uh, down just a little bit into Washington County, but more or less Northwest Arkansas. So, uh, the uh, home office of Walmart's in my district. Oh, terrific! Terrific. Tell me, Bart, uh, my uh, frustr- I, I was pleased with the legislature of the last session as well as frustrated at the same time. So I carried both of those emotions simultaneously, and I'll tell you why. I think we really got some wonderful laws passed. I mean that sincerely. We passed uh, something that I worked on, which, which was the Dave Ellswick free speech on campus bill. Those types of issues are very important to me. Free speech, freedom, Second Amendment freedoms. And so that's a joy. That's a real move forward, I believe, for the state of Arkansas. And then on the other hand, uh, I think we uh, didn't go as far as we could have gone. And I believe that's the case because we have some folks in the Republican Party who are not conservative enough. And so we have this kind of dichotomy. Look, I expect the Democrats to, to vote like Democrats. I don't blame a mosquito for biting me because it's a mosquito. I don't blame a Democrat for voting liberal because he's a Democrat. I do blame a conservative or I should say a Republican when he votes liberal because he's supposed to be conservative. So talk to me, talk to Dave's audience, if you will, about your vision for continuing the forward momentum of pushing for conservative ideals across this conservative state. Well, I'll tell you, you know, we talk a lot uh, and, and I've heard uh, Senator Tom Cotton uh, give this speech several times about what we're not going to continue to push forward. Uh, it, we can't get a we, we've got to make our tent bigger. Right. Mm-hmm. And by, by doing that, if we disagree with somebody once or twice, we can't kick them out of the tent. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's one of the hard things. One of the unique things about uh, being in the legislature and being a conservative and Republican is we all don't think the same. Right. We're independent thinkers. And so we can disagree on what the conservative uh, issue is every now and now when the people aren't with us 10, 20, 30, 40 percent of the time, that's when you start understanding, hey, they just don't think like us. Mm-hmm. Right. But but the reality is I, I want to make our tent big enough where uh, where we're, we're we're all pulling on the same strings rather than uh, uh, pulling on the same rope rather than knifing each other. And I think with that, we can. Um, uh, we could continue to move Arkansas forward. Just like you said, you're happy with some stuff and not happy with stuff. You know, and I feel like we're moving in second or third gear in the direction we're going. We could easily bump, bump that up to fourth or fifth without being out of control. And, and I think uh, do exactly what the people of Arkansas expect and want us to do. Amen, brother. I think that's exactly right. I'm, I'm the last person 
to be looking for conformity because I'm a square peg in every round hole. I don't fit in anywhere. <laughs> but what I do look for is some fidelity to general principles uh, within the party that we can agree to. And when I see there aren't many, but there are more than I would be comfortable with or am comfortable with. When I see uh, Republicans ranking below Democrats on various rankings. Now, you don't have to accept any one group's rankings. But when you see That's the right. Republicans uh, ranking below Democrats, they're voting for more tax increases than the Democrats. They're voting against uh, gun uh, freedom laws uh, more than the Democrats. They're not good on issues of life. That's, <clears throat> excuse me. At some point, as you say, at some point, you can't just keep calling yourself a Republican. I'm not looking to be the guy that starts chewing out Republicans and tearing down our own party. I do truly, as you say, believe in a big tent. But it's one thing to have a big tent. It's another thing to have people that don't embody the values. We're not going to kick them out. But you know what? I'll run a primary against them. I'll support the challenger. I'll support the conservative. And so I really think that your point is well taken. Uh, We should never be dismissive of any individual. Democrats alike, by the way. But if you're not having an outlook that you can say, that we can say, coincides with conservative values, well, then I'm going to go try to work with somebody else. And I think that's, I think that's this difficult balance. And, and I trust me when I tell you, Bart, I don't have the right answer. Like, I don't have the perfect alchemy to solve this dilemma. But I think it's a dilemma. And I think one of the ways that we resolve or we work towards resolving. There's no ultimate resolution, but we work in the right direction to resolve this dilemma is by ensuring that we have leadership within the party and within the Senate that can corral people in a productive, forward-moving direction. And that's what I'm looking for from you. And I think and I know you can do it. That's the key here. Well, hey, thank you so much. That's, I, I hope that each of my colleagues uh, would consider me a friend. I consider them a friend and that, and that I, I respect their opinion. Um, I've, I've never been a heavy-handed leader, but uh, I try to be uh, a leader that everybody feels like they're being heard. Uh, and, and we and continue to, like I say, pull on the same rope and move in the same direction. I'm confident we continue to do that. Amen. You know, uh, in addition to that, what, I, what I've seen, I saw it in the last legislature when, when, when we met how um, you have really a sort of um, magnetic personality. And regardless, I've seen Democrats and Republican alike uh, um, come and talk with you because you are open and you're uh, willing to debate and discuss in a productive fashion. And so that's a key trait uh, to, a, to a wonderful leader. But with that said, you are also a strong conservative. I know this to be the case. Let's talk about some issues. Let's talk about, for example, your views on Second Amendment. Share with the audience uh, your sort of general outlook when it comes to Second Amendment issues. Well, I mean, I, I think it it couldn't it couldn't be clearer that it should not be infringed on, right? Uh, we, um, mm-hmm. and, and I haven't voted in any way to infringe. I, I guess we could say there's there's been uh, one issue. Remember when they were carrying guns in the Razorback Stadium? Oh, uh, right. Yeah. Uh, and, and and there's always you know there's weird stuff going on with that all the time. You know, I can tell you that uh, you know at at a particular time you could have FOIA'd, uh the 
um, the the police plan. That's right. Uh, if there was an active shooter, you know that, that's that, that's scary stuff, right? That's right. We, we we want our police to be able to protect and plan and and not and not have some crazy person know that. And so there was there's a lot of different reasons we do some things there. But um, uh, anyway, but uh, I, I believe uh, when the NRA comes out, I'll have a I'll have a, an A plus hundred percent rating, and uh, uh, it's just too too important of an issue to uh, to to back up on it all. Well, yeah. and, 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 and I know it. Uh, we spoke, uh, amongst other things, during the last session about gun issues, and you demonstrated your commitment uh, there, too. And uh, I look forward, by the way, to that NRA, NRA rating, but I will share my view on that. I spoke with the NRA folks in the last session, and I found them slow. Uh, not willing to uh, move ahead to push a pro-Second Amendment agenda. I found them bureaucratic. And so while a good rating from the NRA is a, undoubtedly a positive, uh, I'm, I'm disappointed with how they're working. I think they are getting caught up in the swamp of bureaucracy. And so, uh, of course, uh, it's better to have a good rating from them than a bad rating. But these days, I, I think that they are not at the front of the uh, edge, you know, the knife's edge in pushing for good pro-gun legislation. I think you're at the front and other legislators like you, like Bob Ballinger, is at the the, uh, razor's edge and making sure that our Second Amendment rights are enforced. So I think we should be telling them who has the A plus rating, not the other way around. <laughs> well, now you, you are right. They they are they are not uh, they are not quick moving. And uh, I'll tell you, you get what we're down to in Arkansas um, is really in the, in the finite questions, and that's what that's what it's not so simple anymore, right? Because we've really moved the ball so far in in our direction. But you know, anytime there's a, as a gun bill, you know, you can go straight to the two Republican lawyers in the Senate, uh, Trent Garner and Bob Ballinger, and man. Isn't it fantastic that there are two lawyers on That's the Republican right. side, and they're the two leaders on the gun issue, right? That's right. They, they, they've studied. They know how important it is to not give an inch. And and uh, where those guys stand, uh, I think uh, um, I couldn't see me on a different side of them on that issue. Uh, I have a lot of trust in their opinion on it. As do I. We, um, I had spoken with them, in fact, when they were pushing a bill or pursuing, I should say, a bill that became a law in which there was some issue. Uh, at a university campus, a university uh, school campus that was preventing a, a a law enforcement officer, a police officer, from carrying his gun off duty after work in uniform. And so they quickly passed a bill. It happened in a matter of days. They passed a bill that said, uh, no, that's permissible. Now, under the existing law, frankly, we all had agreed it was permissible. But instead of having to fight the uh, bureaucrats uh, in uh, in the education system, they just passed another law and said, essentially, we really mean it. And that cleared up that problem. <laughs> and what I like about that, it's uh, uh, people like Bob Ballinger, people like you, who say, look, uh, if there is an issue that is within my wheelhouse, I'm going to take care of it. And there are many ways to skin a cat, and I don't care how we get there. At the end of the day, these rights need to be enforced. But hold the line, if you if you will. We'll come back after a short break, and we'll finish up that half hour with you. It's really a pleasure to talk to you. Let's take this quick break.
This is the Dave Ellswick Show. I am Robert Steinbuck. In the studio with me is attorney Chris Corbett, and on the line is Senator Bart Hester. Bart, we've got about seven minutes left. We're going to finish up talking with you. Um, if I recall correctly, Chris was reminding me during the break that you were one of the, I don't know if it was the original co-sponsors, but strong supporters and maybe original co-sponsors of Charlie Collins's campus carry bill. And I, I testified in favor of the first version of that, as you may recall, like three or four legislative sessions ago. I can't even remember that far back. And finally, of course, we got after the second try, we got one version passed. And then all of the state schools run by unelected, generally leftist administrators opted out. uh, And so it had no teeth. Right. And then. Right. Right. And so we came back and we said, look, we thought this was going to actually be. Uh, real that you're actually going to consider the needs of the students, of the faculty, of safety, but obviously you didn't. You just considered bureaucratic concerns, and so you kept all the guns out of the hands of the law-abiding citizens, and so the the newest and current version passed as part of enhanced carry, and so we have we have campus carry or enhanced carry in which no longer are we stuck in these shooting zones that are falsely known as gun-free zones because they ain't, they ain't gun-free. They're gun-free for the good guys, but not for the bad guys. So just, <laughs> That's right. Right? So sh- share, uh, continue to share with uh, Dave's audience a little bit of your general philosophy on this notion of where people who are law-abiding citizens should be entitled to carry. Well, I mean, look, I, I think it's very simple. If, if we're going to tell somebody they cannot carry a gun somewhere, uh, there has to be a, a very uh, compelling governmental interest. Mm-hmm. And, and the reality is, I think, you know, it kind of goes back to clearly on anyone's private property, they can restrict in any way. Sure. Um, you know, uh, but look, uh, to, to say that people can't, can't have a gun on campus when a young lady's going to finish a lab class at 10 o'clock at night, and, you know, walk, I mean, sometimes a half a mile across campus, you know, to, uh, to a parking lot. It's just, it's just in my opinion, unreasonable. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, st- we still aren't allowing her to protect herself, but you know, if, if they're, if they're faculty, at least we're allowing that faculty to protect themselves. And mm-hmm. like I said, there, there's always more work to do, but, uh, man, if you're, if you're going to err in somewhere, Ty has to go to the runner there and, uh, and allow somebody to protect themselves. I love that analogy. I really do. Uh, Ty goes to the runner and that's exactly right. It's so often, the presumption has been on the law-abiding citizen to prove why he's entitled to the rights given to him by the U.S. Constitution, by the Arkansas Constitution, and I dare say, can I say it, by God. And so when, when I have the right to defend myself, I have an inherent right to defend myself, and I've got to prove generally to leftists why I should be able to do so. And my response is, I don't have to prove anything to you. These are my rights. Come take them away. Uh, and, and Arkansas really is on the front um, edge of this. Uh, and this is an important point because in some respects, Arkansas has some catching up to do, like on taxes. We're on the wrong side of taxes, frankly. We need to reduce taxes. But when it comes to gun rights, we are moving in the right direction. And as you point out, there is always more to do. And that's something that I saw some legislators and Republic, and I mean this uh, amongst Republicans who said, well, I don't want to mess with it. I think we might upset the apple cart. We might wind up with a bad law. And of course, 
conceptually, there's some truth to that because every time you do something, you have an opportunity to make a mistake. But when we are a 75% Republican legislature, perhaps we should be less afraid of uh, moving backwards and more emboldened, emboldened to move forward. And that's one of the things that I think you will continue to uh, lead on uh, as the president of the Senate. We've only got a few minutes left uh, before we let you go, Bart. I want to talk about free speech. Uh, this is one of my bugaboos, and whenever I, I get to talk to an elected official, uh, I, I bend his ear on it because conservatives have now become the protectors of free speech. Historically, frankly, that hasn't been the case, but now we are. And so we need to ensure that all Arkansans have every right that we can afford them when it comes to free speech. And one of the bills that Kim Hammer and Bob Ballinger were pursuing last session, but it was very late in the session, and so it understandably wasn't able to, to move forward, was a bill that simply said, if you're a government employee and you're at home and you're on your Facebook and you write something and it's not discrimination, and it's not a bomb threat, it's nothing illegal, whatever you write, you're allowed to write that without your government mind or administrator boss trying to fire you when you come back to work the next day. And that's a bill that uh, we're going to be pursuing come next session, and I'm not going to make you give me a commitment on that bill today, needless to say, and I know you're too smart a politician to do so, not uh, having it in front of you. But what I will make you uh, 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 give me a commitment on is meeting with me and Chris and other folks um, and Kim and Bob and others uh, so that we can discuss this bill because I know, I know that with your conservative values, you're going to be in favor of it. Well, I, you know, I, I agree, and I'll tell you, free speech it starts to encompass a lot of things right now. And just like you were talking about, if somebody goes home on their own time and they type something that someone else can view as is hateful, mm-hmm. right? Uh, That's right. And, uh, uh, and and I continue to hear talk about uh, you know hate crime stuff. And look, exactly. at the end of the day, uh, like it or not, people in America have the right to be hateful, and That's hateful right. is is an opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, what what's considered hateful to me not be be to you, and so man again that's what I say if we're if we're going to walk down any of those roads we got to be very very careful because uh, um, your your right to be hateful your version of hateful uh, is a protected thing mm-hmm. um, an action is not protected there it is right that's right uh, but but uh, what 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 one person considers that is not and we clearly need to make sure that our uh, people that have government paid for jobs are protected. Amen. You And you have that distinction right down uh, to the letter, and that is a critical distinction, and it's one that the left has marched all over in their efforts to cut, constrain, amongst other things, but primarily conservative thought. Bart, we look forward to seeing you as the next president of the Senate. We welcome your conservative values. We welcome your dynamic and charismatic personality. And we thank you for joining us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Hey, thanks a lot for having me. This is the Dave Ellswick Show. I am Robert Stomach filling in for Dave. Chris, we just spoke with Senator Bart Hester. And at the tail end of our wonderful conversation with him, He really said what I thought were um, insightful comments on this distinction between speech and action, speech and behavior. Right. 
right? Oh, he nailed it, Rob. Yeah. He blew me away with his statement. Blew me away. I'm telling you, it was fantastic. Well, tell me that why he, you think that. that. Well, basically, what I heard him say is there's no such thing as hate speech, right? Have we heard that before? Kind yeah. of. Right. He said it. Right. It's it's hate action. Hate action. Right. There you go. That's right. I mean, what? Just because you don't like it, does that mean it's hate speech? Right. Well, it's according that. to the left. It, exactly. According to the left, the answer to that question is yes. And that, and that's a reason to limit free speech. According to the left, you're not even limiting speech. All of a sudden, it's poof. Those words. That's the, the those distinction. Those words. Those ain't speech. According the, to the left, how is that possible? Right. Therefore, we get to limit it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No. No. Can't do that. Right. And he nailed it when he said, when he talked about hate action. That's right. And, you know, and that's another thing. When you think about free speech, it's great. You want to you get a permit. You want to go lodge a protest. You want to hold some signs up. That's great. Until you pick up a rock and throw it through the business owner's window. Right. And that's then, hate action. Yeah. Then you're a criminal. That's right. Right. That's right. We don't need any new laws on that. That's right. It's against the law. It's against the law now. Yeah, Exactly. So uh, he, he nailed it. He's all over it. And yeah. he's been, and he's been his uh, his name when I heard you had him on the radio. Right. He's associated with some very good stuff. Yeah. Uh, limiting unemployment benefits for folks that are test positive for drugs, narcotics. Right. These are small business owners that are paying into this fund. Small business owners um, get to drug test their employees if they want to. Maybe they're driving a forklift. Maybe they're driving a truck. And um, he's from a great area up there too in Centerton. But um, but he he sponsored some legislation. I don't know where it went. Uh, about drug testing folks that get unemployment benefits, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Well, if you can drug test someone on the job, right? why can't you t- drug test them when they're not on the job? I assume that was the point. I would right. love to have heard some of the debate about right. that, if it passed, if they right. were able to get some of that done. But uh, he's in a beautiful area up there. Is that right? Yes, yeah, nice. I used to throw the trash up there. Is that to, right? Yeah, for a little. Because you work for a living. I did. Because you, you actually, because you took a shower when you got home. <laughs> now. I needed a shower when but, I got But my home. point is, right, you know, this is the distinction between those who are blue collar and white collar. That is, the blue collar folks take a shower when they get home. The, the white collar folks take a shower in the morning when they go to work. That's right? Inter- I've you never see? heard that. Isn't that interesting? I've never heard that. And so you took a shower when you got I home. Like that. Yeah. Now, now you're an right. engineer. Now you're a lawyer. Right. Uh, now you're a land surveyor. Yeah. Uh, you also are a master plumber, but you don't work at that. And uh, fat boy can't crawl underneath the house. <laughs> <anymore. laughs> so uh, the point is that you know you've worked your way up, yeah. but you don't rem- you don't forget rather your past. No, and no. you didn't grow up with a silver spoon in your mouth. Right. Daddy didn't give you a job in daddy's uh, company right. uh, where you could go there, work there till you're fifty and retire. You're still working, right? And Absolutely. you'll be working for a long time. That's right. I, I got to give it up to folks like Bart that are young, can right. be out making a living. Right. It, it, it's costing him money to serve in the legislature. That's no right. doubt in my mind. He could be out making money, mm-hmm. but he's decided to serve the public. That's right. I think it's fantastic. That's right. And especially with, with stuff that, what, like what he said there. There's a difference between hate speech and hate action. It's Come right on, on the money. That was bam. Well, he's that was huge. Uh, you know, he uh, like I said, I wasn't going to commit him to committing. And, yeah. uh, but let me tell you, based on his comments, he's gonna he's gonna be a co-sponsor of that bill oh, next session. Uh, right the, out the one gate. that you right and I worked gate. on oh, with, right with Senator Hammer, Senator Bob Ballinger. Yeah. He's gonna be a co-sponsor. I tell you that right now. I can see it. He's, well, he's going to want. He's going to say, "How do I get my name on this bill?" Well, at, at first glance, if you hear a liberal or a lefty talk about hate speech. You mm-hmm. go, wait a minute. They sh- it should be against the law to say that. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. Whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Think about it. Right. And then, but then you, you and you break it down. You but go, you're right. They lull you in. It's but, like, you know, it's like going trout fishing, you know, and yeah. they start throwing the corn out in the water and you're like, oh, okay, <laughs> yummy, yummy. Wait, what? And then you get hooked. They take the book. Yeah. And then you get hooked right in the side. Right. Right. 
Uh, you got to crimp that. You got to crimp that hook. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Get a triple hook in you. Oh <clears throat> man. <laughs> fish and I, uh, fish and I. Chris and I went trout fishing. Every time Chris pulls up on the line, whether or not he's got a piece of seaweed, whether there's nothing on the line, or whether he's got a 14 inch trout on it, <laughs> fish it on, fish on, fish on. But there's nothing on the line. I just make you look. Oh my god. I just want to make you look. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, no, I think that's a wonderful point. Uh, that that you you know you're a lawyer, Chris. Yeah. Uh, but it's sometimes challenging. For non-lawyers, it has nothing to do with intelligence, of course. It just has to do with training. It's sometimes right. challenging to to fully internalize and grasp this distinction between speech and action. Bart was all over it. All over it. He's digested it. It's yeah. like what my old engineering professor used to say. Right. So I'm going to teach you something, and you're going to have to eat it. It's mm-hmm. going to give you a little indigestion. But after a while, you're going to understand it. It's not going to hurt your stomach so much. That's right. He's actually... To, to understand what he said, That's right. he's delved into it. He's thought about it. He's made a decision based on his constituents, you know, his conscience, right? And 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 he's made, and his moral a, commitment. Yeah. Here's the beauty of it. And uh, Bart mentioned this during our discussion. We're not. We don't care what you have to say. Meaning, I may disagree with what you have to say. Yeah. But it's not about the content of your speech because once we start filtering the content of your speech, right? Some other bureaucrat is going to tell you, is going to tell me, going to tell all of us what we can say. Oh, yeah. It's real easy to be king. Because he, when you're king, you always get to tell the other guy what to say. Yeah. But when you're not king, some unelected bureaucrat is going to tell you what to say. And yeah. that's when we start to realize the value of freedom of speech. Oh, and he's all over it. He, he said hate speech is an opinion. There it is. You know, there if it you is. don't like the opinion... Right? Walk then it's away hate speech. Or challenge it. Right. Or if, if you do like the opinion, then we like it. Right. Then it's okay. Then it's okay. Oh, that's a t- oh, that's a terrible slope <sighs> to be going down. And he's all I mean, he he nailed it, Rob. And I, I'm I'm that's fantastic. To have one of our leaders up there to have that viewpoint. That's to right. have the understanding. So it was one of the most concrete, discreet, compact, and powerful statement of free speech that I've heard from an elected official in Arkansas since I got here. Yeah, that's I, how, I agree. That's how well done that was. Yeah. Really, it was. Yeah. And had Congrats I known that he was so affirmatively committed to this notion, these notions of free speech, he would have already been an original co-sponsor of Kim Hammer's bill. I mean, Kim came up with it, but I would have, uh, either myself or Kim would have gone to him. But the problem is it's very busy during the session, and it's hard to sort of corral all the cats, as they say. But nonetheless, come next session, uh, I'm confident that Bart Hester is going to be an original co-sponsor of this bill. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like he'll support it. Support it. He's going to be pushing it. Uh, And, you know, because Dan Sullivan in the House last time was already uh, a sponsor of this. And now come the uh, next session, uh, Dan will almost inevitably be a senator. And as you know, the Senate is a much smaller body. Uh, And so you get a handful of folks. I mean, he's going to beat that fake Republican up there? Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Uh, the, the Republican who quite literally has a lower score when it comes to um, um, conservative issues than many Democrats. And th- on various rankings, I'm, right. I'm, at the yeah. moment, I'm thinking yeah. of the conduit for action ranking where right. John Cooper ranks well below Democrats. Yeah, it's crazy. Here's the thing. 
You can be uh, 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 on the conservative side of being Republican. You can be on the moderate side of being Republican. Sure, but sure. if you're on the liberal side of being a Democrat, you ain't no Republican. <laughs> you ain't no Republican. I don't That's care right. what you call yourself. And up there in Craighead County, we're going to get Dan Sullivan to be uh, the uh, nominee for the Republican Party because the the current incumbent in that seat ain't no Republican. That's right. We've seen it's proved by actions, right? That's it yeah well and that's the irony dan sullivan ran against john cooper last time in the primary john cooper beat him literally by a handful of votes 50 votes is what i said yeah yeah i think it was 60 67 that's essentially a tie that's right right. and so he beat him by a handful of votes in large measure because people didn't know what dan sullivan how conservative dan sullivan was and dan is a very measured individual dan's not going to fly off the handle so Dan says, well, right. uh, here's what I think my view on this issue is, but some of these issues I still need to, to research and think about. And John Cooper did the opposite. He said, oh, I'm on the conservative side of that. Now, if that were true, that would be wonderful. But John Cooper lied. He made all these false claims about being a conservative. And then time and time again, he voted with the Democrats. He voted more Democratic than some Democrats. Sure did. He, he was... On the front edge of the Obamacare nonsense, oh, that's man. that's left of center. Sorry, right? He vote he single handedly in committee killed stand your ground. We heard Bart Hester was all over that. Yeah. By the way, it's not complicated. Like you can be a moderate Republican. You don't need to be a conservative Republican to be in favor of stand your ground. Who is it? I think it was Ben Gilmore that said earlier in the show. You know this is common amongst most states in in the country, including relatively moderate or liberal states. That's right. And yet we don't have it? It's weird. We don't have it? Strange. That's right. I mean, we're, we're, we're on the wrong side of taxes as well, Chris. That's outrageous. Well, people, I don't think it's, it's, we need a one pager. We need to understand how high our taxes really are. That's right. How high are these administrators paid? Where's all this money going? That's right. And, and, And it sneaks up on you. That's right. Whoa, wait a minute. We're, we're top. We're, we're lowest in education. Right. But some of the. But highest in taxation? Yeah. What's what the math on that? in the world is yeah. going on? Yeah. So we've got to call them out. That's right. Right. Let's talk about the facts. Where's this money going? How, how, much, how much higher can the tax get? You know, it's a good question that you ask because I often wonder whether the answer to that question by a lefty is it's unlimited. Of course, it's not, right? Because right. once you've taken all my money, there's no more money you can take. But maybe you can treat me like I'm in the Soviet Union. After you've taken all my money, now you can put <laughs> me to work. Yeah. And that, according to lefties, you've given me a job. According to conservatives, you've enslaved me. That's right. Well, if and our, let me be clear here. Yeah. I don't want that word to be misunderstood. Uh, not in terms of slavery like we had in this country. But you've, <laughs> you've indentured, you've made me an indentured servant. Yeah. I am obligated to work for the state. No, thank you. Well, no, thank you. Who wants a pay raise? Does everybody not want a pay raise? Right, who wants a pay right, raise? Right. If you want a pay raise, ask who you're voting for if he will cut taxes. Yeah, exactly. If he'll that's cut taxes, raise. that's a pay raise. That's a good it's point. that simple. That's you want right. more money in your pocket, ask your legislature, will you go down there to Little Rock and cut taxes? You know, that's a, yes or no? That's such is a that on, Is that on the, the Steinbuck scorecard? By that the way, is, that is that's number SS. one. Is that, we can't call it SS. Right? I can call it whatever trooper. I want. 
Okay. <laughs> Steinbuck scorecard. Steinbuck scorecard. Will you cut taxes? That's it. Will you make the sacrifices? Will you, Chris I, Corbett, if I, you're in office? Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, we, I would cut them to the bone, mm-hmm. That's right. It'd be a deep cut. That's right. Ouch. That's right. It's going to require some internal stitches, mm-hmm. the ones that dissolve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right, though. That's <laughs> exactly staples. That's exactly right. No, we've... The problem... Here's the difference between... I, I got lunch today at... Oh, Zach, what's the name of the place I go to lunch? Thank you. I went to Chick-fil-A to lunch. You did? Right? So you drive up to Chick-fil-A. Of course, they've got the window. Right? Yeah. They've got the booth. The, 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 you talk into the, you know, the clown's head or whatever it is, <laughs> and then you pull around and you go to the booth. Right? Yeah. But then they've got eight people with handhelds. Right? So what have they done? They've quadrupled the size of their window because it used to be while you wait when you get to the window yeah. that one person takes care of you, you pull around that one person serves you the food now you got eight people taking orders you got eight people on the back end providing the food yeah. it takes you no time to get through why is why does chick-fil-a have that because management is rewarded by the return on the investment there you go business if you if you're a middle level manager in business your bosses the owners of the company say have you made me money or have you lost me money? You if you go. make them money, you get a promotion. So the guy or woman, to be clear, who came up with the idea said, listen, there's no more geography to put up another clown's head. There's no more geography to put up another doorway to serve the food. But there's plenty plenty of geography to put four people out there with an iPad taking orders and four people on, on the other side pulling through the window, the food orders, and distributing it as they come around the bend. Yeah. So... That was a brilliant idea by someone who's incentivized by the profit motive. Oh, my God. The lefties a profit motive. Yes, profit yeah. motive. It's called because capitalism. It's called capitalism. Yeah, it's nice. It's called incentives. Right. Because everything we do in life is based on incentives. Right. Now go to the government. You Ooh. go over You go over to some office, and I don't want to pick on any office. In New York, we used to pick on the DMV because they yeah. really were lousy. i got to tell you, generally when I go over to the DMV here in Little Rock, it's pretty darn good. Right. So I don't want to pick on the DMV, but you know, you go over to XYZ office, and you get in line, and it's one person, right? And you see all these open booths. Nobody's manning them, right? And then there's one person, 32, 32, <laughs> right? And then the lady in the walker walks up, right? And yeah. you know, it takes them 85 minutes to process her, yeah. and then you're still waiting. You're sweating, right? The air conditioning's not working. 33, 33, right? <laughs> and so why, why don't they have five people with iPads? And here's the answer. There's no profit motive. Now, yeah. I'm not looking for a profit motive at, at the XYZ, the DMZ, whatever it may be. Right, right. So how do you fix that? And here's how you fix it, folks. And then we'll go to break and I'll let everybody think on this. Those elected officials, Bart Hester, Ben Gilmore, uh, David Ray, um, Tim Griffin, they our management. We hire them. That's right. And we give them a salary to be management for our company. What's our company? It's the state of Arkansas. Yeah. And we hire those managers. And so they have to go in there and say, what are you doing to make the lives of our Kansans better? How are you making their administrative burden lower? How are you making... It, so that they have more money in their pockets nice. so they get a pay raise, as Chris Corbett points out, by getting a tax reduction. A tax reduction is a pay raise. That's right. So how do we do that? So we need to continue to elect officials, and it's more than continuing. We need to step it up because we don't have it enough, to elect officials who, ha- who hold mid-level governmental 
managers accountable to the people, not to themselves. Because when left unchecked, they develop personal fiefdoms in which their only incentive is to demonstrate how much control, how much authority they can wield because there is no profit motive. So they're the ones that when you come in the next day after putting on your Facebook po- post that say whatever it is, say that you say something like, well, it's impossible to change one sex. And you put that on your Facebook p- uh, post and then some mid-level bureaucrat, often a lefty, comes in and wants to fire you because that mid-level lefty administrator decides that he owns the government. No, he don't. Ooh. No, he don't. Or makes Ooh. up his own rules. He, well, he makes up his own rules. Outside of the law. Right. Well, even if it's inside the law, that's not the point. But he's imposing his personal viewpoint on on the citizens of Arkansas right. instead of having the elected officials manage each and every one of those administrative agencies. And that's what we in Arkansas need more of. We need more accountability of unelected bureaucrats. Uh, With that note, we will take the following break. This is the Dave Ellswick Show. I am Robert Steinmuck filling in for Dave Ellswick on this Friday afternoon. In the studio with me, Chris Corbett from ABC Block, lawyer, engineer, master plumber, Land surveyor. Oh, my gosh. Thanks, Rob. You've got more degrees than a thermometer. It's too much work. Uh, and someone who has worked for a living, we talked to you, in fact, uh, before the break, how, amongst other things, you and I have something in common. Well, we have many things in common. We're both lawyers as well. But we both literally hauled garbage uh, in our in our careers, working our way through. We did. Yeah. Yeah. I still got my CDL. Class yeah. B. Is that right? right? The Bob trucks. I can't yeah. drive the class A. I, I, I worked at a, at a marina, and so I hauled garbage at yeah. the at the boatyard. So yeah. we 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 had like a little three wheeler with a with a a hitch in the back, you know, and a, and we'd throw yeah. it into the yeah. into the basket, and then we'd drag that over to the dump area, and right. we'd throw it into the into the dump area. Right. Uh, but it was it was dirty, messy, sweaty business. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> right on. But you really have to. I, I we talked about this last time we were on. I think there is some significant value to working for a living, uh, and this is a challenge. If uh, look, I, I grew up lower middle class. You grew up lower lower or middle middle class. Yeah, and, and the, dad the, was an engineer. Right, I followed him through engineering school. Right, and but the challenge is if you know there are many successful people, more power to them, and their kids grow up. The kids aren't wealthy, but the parents are wealthy. Right, and how do you inculcate that work ethic uh, when the kids don't have to work? Because the parents are lucky enough to be able to afford all the luxuries of life. And right. that's, I don't know what the right answer to that balance is, but I'm often concerned when those kids grow up what their values are. Uh, and that's why, for example, when it comes to elected officials, I don't want someone who's born with a silver spoon in his mouth. And maybe that's a bit of a bias, but it's a bias towards people who have worked for a living. No, it's a real world. It's real world. Experience. It's real world experience, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. They need to know how much a hamburger cost. Yeah, right? you were, you they didn't know how much you're talking about Chick-fil-A. And right. I had I had Wendy's. So right. I had Wendy's. And, and I remember going through law school back in 01 and 02. Uh uh, Wendy's combo, chicken sandwich combo, chicken sandwich combo was number six was less than five dollars mm-hmm. when I started. Right. So I'd leave the highway department at four o'clock, mm-hmm. drive through the Wendy's law school, the Wendy's down here near the law school on Ninth mm-hmm. Street. Oh, I know that one. Grab yeah. me, a, yeah, grab me a chicken fillet sandwich mm-hmm. and head up to the library, read as much as I could, and then we'd start law school from like six to nine. Oh wow! Three days a week. Yeah. Wow. And the and the and it was four dollars and a quarter. Right, and then it went up. By the end of law school, it's five dollars in a quarter. Uh-huh. The reason I remember that is, yet if I had a five dollar bill, 
I had to have an extra quarter to get that Wendy's combo. Amen. And today my lunch was nine dollars and eighty cents. I don't think I don't think I've got a pay raise uh, of double. Right. In in what fifteen years? Right. Right. You didn't double your salary. No. The taxes went up. That's it. Well, how much of that? We know that two percent of that, which is not insignificant, folks. Two percent of that. You know what? Tell me what is this called? The AMP? The I call it the advertising and promotion. Right. Commission. Right. So what is that? They're appointed by the governor. Right. They get two percent of all the every hamburger, every meal. So I I buy a hamburger and the government takes two percent to do advertising for what? To whom? For you. Oh, is that to my benefit? It's for you enjoying life. Really, I'm enjoying life more because I have two percent less in my pocket. That's right. I get a pay cut. I tell you what. I tell you what. Then the businesses have to cut what they serve. Right. Wendy's doesn't have salt and pepper shakers anymore on their table. Right. They got together. They got the MBAs together and said, these people can't spend ten dollars on the lunch. Right. Right. So we need to cut costs somewhere. So I'm paying two percent. It's not going into Wendy's pockets. It's going into the state. I buy a burger from Wendy's. Those folks work hard. They provide me with a burger. Wendy's makes a nice burger. And then guess what? The state makes makes money on my deal. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't get a burger from the state. That's like them buying back my guns. They never sold it to me in the first place. That's right. It's unbelievable, folks. Let's take a break. We'll see you later. This is the Dave Ellsworth Show. I'm Robert Summick filling in for Dave. We are in the last hour of our show, Chris. And we were talking about how government needs to be more responsive uh, to the citizenry. And remember when Dan Sullivan was on the show the other day and he talked about this $3 million um, gift, I put in quotes, by the way, by the state to some opera house or something along those lines theater square yeah opera theater house. square opera yeah. house yeah <laughs> opera man uh black tie chardonnay swirling i think they uh, have a lefties. Wine, they got a wine cave in there too um yeah i think there's a wine cave i think that's right <laughs> that's i think that's exactly right uh and and where'd the money come from chris do you remember where it came yeah, from it's something about the rainy day fund what's that i don't know what's that that's tax money that the governor can just unilaterally unilaterally right decide to give away right with no metrics no guarantees they but they're calling it an investment have you seen the dividend check from the government yeah I've, from the rainy day fund investments i've not seen an investment check when i invest my money i expect to make money the government's going to take our money excess money from our taxes and excess? put it in a rainy What's excess day money mean? i don't know do we get it back mm-hmm. we don't get it back and then hey, if it's a rainy day fund, yeah, and I need to uh, get my uh, brakes fixed, or I got a hole in my roof, yeah. or the gutters are, are leaking, can I make a phone call? Maybe you can, there's a maybe there's an application we could put in to get a check from the rainy day fund. Can I get three million dollars to 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 reside my house? That's a bunch of money to blow the leaves off my lawn. Yeah, to pick up the acorns out of the we downspout. Could, we could form you a nonprofit, uh-huh. maybe, uh huh, and come up with some some 
reason, some public reason for you to have a nonprofit. Well, plot right. of the non. Yeah, here's the my public reason. I, I I live in the public and I want my money. They, we're gonna I want fi- my money. We're gonna fix everybody's brakes. Yeah. We're going to open up a mechanic shop and fix brakes for free for with your tax money. I see. Or and apply to the rainy day fund. Or we'll open up another opera house for $3 million. There you go. Mm-hmm. Boom. Yeah. There's been a lot of this rainy day fund money going around. It's not tied to metrics. I don't understand it. I got to do some research so we can educate the listeners. It's hard for me to understand it. Where's it coming from? To under, my understanding, you got three branches of government, right? The, the legislature, the third, one of the branches has the right to tax and spend. Not the executive branch. The executive branch is supposed to enforce the laws that the legislature passes, right? Well, and not only I don't that, get it. Well, they collected the money. Apparently, it's leftover. It's quote surplus. End quote. It's rainy day fund. How about this? Is my money? Give it back. How about we? How about we pass a law instead of making the rainy day fund right. for the government to invest in to make jobs? Does the government make jobs? No. no, the government does not make jobs. How about they give me a pay raise? There you ha- go. And how do you do that, Chris? You said it earlier. How do you give me a pay raise? Law? No. Right. How do you give Oh, a, cut taxes. Cut oh, my taxes. Yeah, How about give... You got a rainy day fund? That's called a Rob Stombuck needs some more money fund. Is Would it be possible to pass a law that says if we have excess taxes, you give it back yes. to the taxpayers? It's called a tax refund. <laughs> yes. Stop taking my money. It's called a... Ta- Stop taking my money bill. I like it. I think we need to call an ambulance <laughs> and get me my money. There you go. <laughs> You know, it's really remarkable because the, it, it's such a simple concept that government works for the people. Elected officials are employees of the c- citizenry. Yeah. And yet so often it's turned around on its head that once government officials get in there, they – it's a power grab, right? They right, have the money. Right, right. They can pass the laws. They have control. And so they see how much you can work for them. That's right. That's the problem. And it's not getting smaller. The best way I've heard put it when I was in college, Susie Orman came and spoke at our college. Right. This is, and she she told how she, she lost a million bucks in 1987 when she, when options came out. Right. Right. Well, and then she told us there, she told back then in, when she was working, uh, you had to work till March for the government. Mm-hmm. This is a great way to put it. Over the year, you had to work till March before you get to keep all your money. Exactly. All the money that you work from January to March goes to the government. Right. Now, it's to about May. So you're working for till May. You're for working the half the year yeah. just to pay the government. That's right. Right. And then the re- then you then you get to start working to make your own money. Right. Isn't that the, remarkable? The money you get to keep. That's right. First, you got to work for the government. And give them your money. That's right. Until May. Until May. And then, and then you get to get a little bit left over. Here's, yeah. here's some scraps for you. Yeah. And I hope that sinks in with the listeners. Say, wait a right. minute, wait a minute. The, all that tax money is going to the government. You don't get to keep it until May of, right. the, May of the year. Then the rest of the money's yours. And it's getting longer. Right. Is next year it's going to be, I don't know, five years from now, would it be right. June? Another five years, would it be July? You know, there's that famous saying from John Kennedy, something, uh, I'm going to butcher it somewhat, something along the lines of, don't ask, um, uh, what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. And, yeah. and of course, that's a good sentiment, yeah. but it has been perverted, right? And now it's uh, politicians and, and, and even worse, unelected bureaucrats saying, uh, don't ask what your unelected bureaucrats can do for you. Yeah. It's uh, uh, what can you do for your unelected bureaucrats? I don't work 
for you. Yeah. I don't work for unelected bureaucrats. Right. I'm not interested in unelected bureaucrats hoarding my money while yeah. I save nickels and dimes to make sure that I'm solvent. And they're hoarding my money well, in a rainy day fund. Well, and there's more than just taxes. There's hidden taxes. Of I'll tell course. you what, the city of Conway, no business license required. Right. City of Little Rock, you got to have a business license. So i got to have a license a, to engage in what I have a right to do, which is interact with other citizens right. in commerce, in life, in interpersonal relationships, right. and I need a license for that. Yeah, well, you have to perform a service and, get, and, and make some money. I guess if I if I was 16, I was in the city of Little Rock, I threw a, a lawnmower in the back of my truck right. and started mowing lawns, I pro- would probably need a business city license. It's unbelievable. It's, it's outrageous. And it's hey, just a way to tax city them. of Conway doesn't require it. Good I for them. That, yeah, it's a big Good deal. Good for them. Yeah, it's crazy. City of Conway has got to straighten out their act when they come to the to renting the Conway uh, Civic Center or whatever it's called, Expo Center up there, yeah. to the gun show. There's another one coming right. out, yeah. J- January 5th. Okay, 4th, because man. they need to get their act together and tell the gun show folks uh, that uh, citizens of Arkansas, citizens of Conway, yeah. have a right to carry on government property, and some private vendor is not going to change the rights of Conway citizens to Conway public property. Yeah. And the city of Conway better get their act together, or I'm coming down there, and I'm going to tell them how <laughs> to get their act together. Hey, they need to be careful. We'll go recruit a client like Thurgood oh, Marshall. We're How many assume. cases did Thurgood Marshall have in front of the Supreme Court? Oh, like a, I think a few dozen. Yeah, record yeah. number. Right. right? And, and, and recruited Miss Brown yeah, to yeah. go apply to a private school. Yeah. Maybe we need to recruit a concealed handgun owner yeah. to walk in there and get him a ticket. That's right. In the Conway Expo That's Center. That's right. That's right. Or, or get booted out by some go. private vendor. The go. private vendor becomes the determiner of public citizens' rights on publicly owned land. It's GC Promotions. I yeah. saw the billboard. Yeah, GC, GC Promotions, Promotions is a private company. How are they dictating your rights on public land? I don't know. They told us it was insurance. Yeah, but I, I don't care what their I don't care what their make believe reason yeah. is. They don't own the Expo Center. The city of Conway owns the Expo Center, and they didn't rent out the rights to the Arkansas citizens. They rented out the inside of the building. That's it. <laughs> That's it. I'm sick and oh, tired of this. That's huge. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Say that one more time. Well, they uh, didn't could, rent out the, the rights exactly to the citizens of Arkansas. That's right. They rented out a building. That's it. That's it. You don't see them changing the roof on that building because they don't own that building. That's right. (laughs) I like that. Exactly. Very good. They they discriminate against gun owners. What happens if they start discriminating against other people in that building? What happens if they said no Jews allowed? What happens if they said no blacks allowed? What happens if they said no women allowed? No Asians allowed? Would would the city of Conway allow that? Because it's all the same notion to different degrees. Zach, let's hear it. All right. Well, we got Brett Tolman calling in. Uh, um, Brett, as uh, you may recall, is uh, the former U.S. attorney in the state of Utah, uh, and he's a frequent commentator on Fox News, and he's also um, often heard on um, O'Reilly's show, and apparently he doesn't own a watch. Isn't that right, Mr. (laughs) Tolman? (laughs) I sure but <laughs> the time changes is not yeah, my friend exactly. today. Exactly. I sent Brett a text earlier today. I said, uh, call in around 5 o'clock 
Central, and he starts quizzing me on, well, is that Four Mountain? What am I, the weather service? What am I here doing conversion? What do you want, the metric to inches conversion now? You're lucky I know Central time. Hey, Rob, in his defense, they've got some weird stuff going on. Down the, oh, down yeah. the Snake River, oh, yeah. you can go into different time. I've missed fishing guides uh-huh, uh-huh. because the time zone changes. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, they're, they're there's, out there in Utah. There's a lot of wisdom to that. A lot of wisdom to that. A lot of wisdom to that. <laughs> Let me tell you, the, those folks out in Utah, they are a unique breed. <laughs> can you, can, can I, you, I agree you. you agree with me on that one, right, Mr. Tolman? Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> one time when Brett and I, and needless to say, other folks were working in the on the Senate Judiciary staff, there was some issue, I think, happening in New York. Um, uh, no, no, I think it was happening out in Utah. That, you know, Mormons have this belief that you uh, baptize people even after death, and then they uh, they can go to heaven. And the way they baptize them, they simply, you know, they don't have the person. The person is in the ground somewhere. Right. But they get a list of names, and they do some uh, ritual, some prayer, uh, and they baptize them. And so uh, there was some group that was objecting to it. And there was a, a Baptist in the office, a Catholic in the office. Brett, of course, is a Mormon. And uh, there was a debate. And so Brett was saying, what's the problem? You don't even know about it. Who cares? And then uh, either the Catholic or the Baptist or both of them were objecting to it. And they all I wasn't in the office. I was down the hall. And they said, call Steinbuck. He's, he's the Jew. He's got to break the tie on this one. He's gonna, gonna, he, we need his opinion. So they call me. I come. I come running down to the office. I think there's actually some important issue to be decided. I should have known better from the beginning, given the cast of characters involved in the dispute. And I show up there, and they tell me this dilemma. And they said, "What's the right answer?" I said, "You can shake a chicken in the air and scream out my name in whatever language you want, and impose any blessing on me as long as I don't know about it and I ain't around." And he, and of course, Brent loved that. Because because I backed the Mormons, and ever since, I've been tight with the Mormons. Ain't that right? <laughs> well, that's exactly right. And, you know, my, my favorite joke all time started out uh, where you said to me, hey, what do you get when you have a, a Mennonite, a Mormon, and a, and a Jew walk into this Senate? Right. And, uh, and I, I remember thinking, wait a minute. That's actually our group of friends. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's who we are. That's who we are. And, of course, the, the additional is, and, and they don't call that diversity? I call that diversity, baby. <laughs> but not the right kind of diversity. You see, the left, they've only got one kind of diversity. We've got every kind of diversity. Thank you very much. Well, I think that's true. I think that, you know, it's been very interesting to watch the um, – What's happened in in the African American community because President Trump, you know, being accused as a racist and everything else, and everything else, anti-Semite, homophobic, you name it, staggering right now. Yeah, and 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 he's gotten a lot of support uh, in the African American community uh, because of the economic growth that he has helped create. Uh, across the economy, which impacts uh, all communities, including the African-American community, people are looking around and saying, you know, the Democrats are really great at promising us all these freebies, all these promotions, all these policies, but we're not seeing anything out of it. And here, Trump promises everybody the same thing, which is economic growth, and we're benefiting a lot from that. 
And guess what? People start to recognize that what's in their interest is that which helps them grow themselves. Yeah, and you know, you you take a, a look at the fact that uh, for for many years I tried to get the Obama administration to pass criminal justice reform. Mm-hmm. They 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 said they were going to they, but they did not push, and they didn't want to reach across the aisle. Mm-hmm. It was just just mind boggling to me that Trump came in and what did he do? He, he he first focused on criminal justice reform, and he. He embraced folks like you know Matthew Charles, Alice Marie Johnson, mm-hmm. folks that, that were were now are remarkable spokes spokesmen and women for the for the cause, and that was an issue that we know has had a disparate impact on the you know the black community. That's right. And, and so I, I, I say, look, you, you don't know someone until you see what they actually try to pass in legislation. That's exactly <laughs> right. Then you start to see, and and it was a it was a privilege to work on that. So, you know, we'll see what happens in the the coming months and years. Obviously, but um, there are some victories that are rightfully being claimed by the White House and the you know minority communities. Well, that's right, and and the and the beauty is that you have had th- these views for some time, and you've been talking with everybody on both sides of the aisle about them, and. Too often, folks are well. If it's not if it's not a conservative idea, or if it doesn't come from a conservative, I'm not for it. And the same on the left. The left and the right have been guilty of this kind of tribalism and this stovepipe analysis. And uh, not all issues not on not all issues can we get left and right agreement. But when we can, we need to work towards those goals. And that's, that's something right. that you've done for some time. You got me involved early on. Not, I'm slightly changing topics, but you got me uh, involved early on on this case of some meat, a, a kosher meat packer out of um, that's right. Iowa, was Rubashkin. it? Yeah, yep. Rubashkin. Rabbi Rubashkin. That's right. And we worked, we published a series of articles, in fact, on him. Those articles, I know for a fact, were disseminated as the key commentary on what went wrong in those cases. And uh, President Trump was made aware of that situation. Now, I don't know directly that he read our articles, but I wouldn't be surprised that he or his staff did. And yeah, sure enough, did. And, right? And you're, you're absolutely right, Robin. I, I, your voice was so powerful on that. And it was injustice. This was a I mean, the, both of us kind of identified here was a. Um, uh, an individual with 11 children, no criminal history, and he was sentenced to 27 years in federal prison. And by the way, he wasn't allowed to be out during the pendency of his trial because they said he could flee to Israel and, and claim dual citizenship. Yeah, it was really a disingenuous now, and, and I dare oh. say anti-Semitic claim. They said, well, you know, Israel allows Jews to claim citizenship, okay? So therefore, no Jew is allowed out on bail because he <laughs> right. could claim citizenship in Israel? And they said, well, he had money, money in a bag in his closet. Yeah? And a, next to his passport. By the way, if he kept them separate, it would make a difference. That's called a valuables bag. It's not a getaway bag. It's not a stash with a gun, a knife, and a fake ID. It's his passport and some cash. So anyway, That's listen, great. Brett, hold that thought. We've got to take a quick break. Yep. We're going to come back. I think we'll come back and then have another break, and then we'll have you on for the remainder. Hold the thought. 
This is the Dave Ellswick Show. I'm Robert Steinbeck in the studio. We have Chris Corbett, and on the line we have Brett Tolman. Brett, we've got a few minutes before the heartbreak at the bottom of the hour. We're going to keep you on the whole hour in part because you called in late, so this is your penalty. You've got to talk to me longer. So, uh, But let's uh, see if we can get a little bit in before this upcoming uh, heartbreak on what's going on in D.C. Uh, so my question for you is essentially that, what the heck? Is going on in D.C. What? So Nancy says, oh, it's urgent. It's urgent. we got to pass these um, uh, articles of impeachment. It's bribery. It's bribery. And then no bribery charge. But okay. Then we get two articles of impeachment. Okay. Oh, well, we got to We got to do it. We got to do it now. We're going to hold off sending it to the Senate. Wait. So I'm getting sort of whiplash from turning uh, both directions, paying attention to Nancy's, um, I, I don't manic depressive attitude when it comes to the articles of impeachment. Either it's critical, either it's bribery, or it's not critical, and it ain't bribery, and I can't figure it out. Can you explain it to me? Well, well D.C. is certainly a mess, and you and I spent enough time there to know it. it while we may have thought it was a mess when we worked there, it, this is a whole new level, and Impeachment being used in this manner, to, to me, they, they're treating it like it's a, you know, a, a, a censure, right? right. We're going to go down there and we're going to say everything we think is bad about this president. We're going to censure him. But instead of just a censure to, to voice their complaints, they're actually using one of the most powerful tools Congress has, and that is to remove this, you know, attempt to remove a sitting president. Right. And they're doing so without an articulation of any crime that's been committed. You can say that every witness that prayed it in felt like what he was doing was inappropriate, and it sure could be criminal. But, but Rob, if I walked into the grand jury when I was a federal prosecutor and, and took that approach, I'd have been laughed out of there. Wait, wait, Brett, I don't understand. You mean it's not appropriate for a prosecutor, be it the one who holds uh, the position you once held, federal prosecutor, or the equivalent in the House of Representatives, to say, well, we really don't like him. Throw his butt in jail. That's not the standard in the law today? <laughs> you know, it's not. I, Oddly enough. I'll tell you, I, <laughs> I, had, I had a lot of FBI agents that came to me and said, you know, I just don't like this guy. I got a bad feeling. Right. And I said, well, when you've got something factual, yeah, exactly. it to me. <laughs> yeah, did, did you have some Malaysian food last night? Like, well, let's see if we can break down why you had the bad feeling. Was that was that a little Greek takeout? Maybe, maybe you need to be a little more cautious before you start imposing your bad feeling on a United States citizen. But why is it only one side is seeing Nancy Pelosi's, you know, this this comedy, this right. comedy of errors going on, and not and not screaming, not yelling, not saying, "Hey, wait a minute, we, you had us, you had us." Right, exactly. Us. We've, we've been hoodwinked. We've been hoodwinked. It's really remarkable, Brett, Brett, you bring up such a salient point, which is the left, these folks, you know, Schiff and all these, oh, it's so important. And they're like, oh, no, no, Nancy's a genius. She'll take care of it. Wait, wait, what? Wait, what? I want you, Brett, which I know you have, and the audience to ponder on that. We're going to take a hard break and be back in a few minutes. This is a Dave Ellswick Show. I am Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave in the studio. Attorney Chris Corbett and on the line, Attorney Brett Tolman from Utah. Uh, Brett, what's the next step? What's going on with this whole impeach impeachment inquiry? As we discussed previously when you were on the show, uh, I think Mitch McConnell has it right. Nancy don't want to give it to me. I don't want it. 
deal. I, I mean, that's still his position is uh, um, I'm not sure what leverage you have or you think you have by trying to send me something I don't want. Exactly. And, and that's where the Senate is. But I'm real concerned about where the House still is, because I think they're now seeing, you know, there's some people that are buying into her her plan or sure. ploy. And they want to add additional articles, and they say they're going to dig back into the Mueller investigation. Um, this is this is going to be a massive anchor that they just want to permanently affix to the president. They don't ever really want to, you know, bring it to. Yeah, it's a giant leech. They want to they want they want to attach a giant leech to the to the administration and suck the the lifeblood out of it. But I think it's going to be somewhat transparent. I think people would say, wait a second, you rushed. This was urgent. This was urgent. This was uh, critical. And then you held it up. And now you're going back. Uh, This sounds like a big uh, mess up. uh, I think most people will say and that you guys, you you aren't taking it seriously. And if you're not taking it seriously, we're not going to take it seriously. And I really think is it a little. Yeah, go ahead. Is it a, is it a little ironic, Rob, that you know Nancy Pelosi's been in the House, she's been in Congress thirty some odd years, mm-hmm. Chuck Schumer over thirty years, right? You have Nadler over thirty years, right? Yeah, it's outrageous, years. Brett. Well, it's uh, it, right. It, it, it's. <laughs> yeah. It's. I, I thought there were. I thought you were going to say more, but I think your point is, it, 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 in and of itself, stands alone. Which is, look, you've got all of these political hacks who's who have been there forever, forever, yeah, forever. And, and so their attitude is, we've been here for thirty years. We'll milk this issue for the next thirty years. We're going to do it until Trump is out of office. It's just going to be a constant exercise of how can we? Oh, Mr. Trump today went down to Florida on the on on Air Force once in beach. Oh, Mr. Trump wore a tie that was too long in beach. It's actually pretty historical, Rob. I mean, they've taken a, a system where right. Andrew Jackson, Bill Clinton, we've had two presidents impeached, right? Right, and now they've weaponized it. Right. I mean, is this going to happen every well, it, president? Is this going to happen to every president? It's certainly moving in that direction, right? Ah. This is a real risk, what they've done. And, and I know, Rob, based on what you and I, you know, we're not afraid to call, you know, re- Republicans to the carpet That's if right. they're doing things that they really shouldn't be doing. That's but right. I, I'll, I'll, stand, I'll stand up and I will yell at Republicans if they try to do this as well. Mm-hmm. But I'm afraid that it's much like when Harry Reid uh, open Pandora's box with the nuclear option, and what what do you have? That's right. They they used it. To, they finally crossed that line that senators weren't willing to cross. And I think now they've done that with impeachment. I think I think that's right. And at some point, you have to say, even though we don't think it's an appropriate tool to use as a political lever, if the other side is going to do it, well, at some point I'm going to say, all right, I guess that's the new rules of the game. That's what happened with Harry Reid. Incidentally, I was watching some news show, and by that I mean left-wing media like the CNN, and they said, well, you know, one of the things that Harry, excuse me, that Mitch McConnell did was he changed the rules regarding the appointment of um, Supreme Court justices. <laughs> wait, wait, you mean after Harry Reid and the Democrats changed that exact set of rules for every court except the Supreme Court? And at that point, Mitch McConnell said, well, if you're going to change it for all the other courts, 
we're not going to unilaterally disarm, so we're going to change it for the Supreme Court, and then we'll push through our Supreme Court nominees. Is that what you mean by could, blaming could a, Mitch McConnell? Yeah, that could, there couldn't be a better description than what you just gave. I mean, there were, there were old dog senators like Senator Hatch and Senator Kennedy on the left who refused to cross that line. Today. That's right. That one side or the other, when they were in power, we're going to make the other side pay dearly for that. That's right. So what happened? Harry Reid did it. And, and, and if, the, if you didn't have left-leaning media, that might have been one of the most pivotal moments in, in congressional history in the last 150 years. That's exactly right. And if Harry Reid, if, if, if the Democrats who run the left-leaning media were, not, uh, were equally critical of the left and the right, they would have called out Harry Reid more on doing so. But they didn't because they supported the notion of forcing through uh, the judges that uh, the, the Obama judges or pointees. And so that's right, because the left right now is just it's all about me right now. That's what it. can I what can I do now that satisfies me? But think and about it. That's a left, look, that's a left philosophy generally. Right. Left yeah. philosophy is never about future. It's never about import it's never about grand matters it's what do we need right now and everything is right now everything becomes an emergency because the only thing that has reaches a valence issue is right now so everything's right now yes the environment is going to come collapsing down in the next 25 minutes got to do it right now everything's got to be done right now because the left doesn't understand anything else except right now and it's nonsense and so do I think there's no such thing as climate change versus do I think that there that climate change is the most immediate problem in the world? How about something in between? How about right? Go ahead. I was just going to say you're 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 hitting on where, where the real weakness, the Achilles heel of the left is, and that is they've they've bought into the philosophy that we have to solve the. Whichever problem is screaming the loudest, That's right. no matter you know what we think about it, whichever problem is screaming the loudest, we're going to just we're going to dedicate ourselves to that cause, and so that's why you have AOC and you have these others that are young. You know, democratic socialism is 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 very attractive because it would immediately solve their their student loan problem. It would solve their yeah exactly. you know, their, their the environmental issues, and so let's push all the money that we can and all of our causes towards it. And sadly. People that know better, like Nancy Pelosi and some of the others, have bought into it because they're afraid and they don't really have leadership. Well, don't you know and, and all so you have to do? That's their Achilles heel. All you have to do, Brett, is plant a money tree, and you get two things: you get money, and you get a tree to solve the environmental process. <laughs> so it's a win-win situation. And the Democrats, well, we just planted a money tree. How can we lose on sw- such a great deal? But that's the fantasy, right? That everything everything's, is hyperbole. But so often, the left is all about unicorns and rainbows. I, I talked earlier in the show about, you know, the, the author of the Harry Potter novels. She was criticized because she supported some, I guess, conservative researcher. Let's just say researcher. I'm not sure you need to be conservative. Who had the temerity to say... It's impossible to change one's sex. Yes, you can call yourself a woman if you were born a man uh, and you can have surgery. But according to this researcher, you, if you're born with an XY chromosome, you're a man. If you're born with XX, you're a woman. And J.K. Rowling, the author of the Harry Potter series, had the temerity to say, well, I guess that sounds right. And the left is all over her. 
because yeah, they are, and and to the detriment of of modern feminism and the detriment of a, of a lot of issues that are very important. You know, I have daughters, and I think about my daughters who played sports mm-hmm. in, in high school. Um, you're starting to see the the impact that some of this sort of response that's not well thought out is is going to have, and what what where does it end, and what does it do to femininity and what does it do to womanhood well that's that's exactly right we we spent all of these years in the i think 70s and 80s primarily focusing on the law that's known as title nine that ensures that women's sports are adequately funded amongst other things by the way because historically male sports got all the money and women were thrown a, a few scraps and it wasn't fair and so we equalized it we said, guess what? Women need to have their sports funded. And sure enough, it flourished. And now you have people who are born men who declare themselves women. And as I always say when I discuss these issues, we need to respect all people. This isn't about respect. But they declare this, themselves women and they dominate in those sports. That's why we have male and female sports. If there were no differences when it came to athletics between men and women, we'd have sports, not men's sports and women's right. sports, would have right. sports. I did it a very and nice woman. A, oh, go ahead. A, a, lot of, a lot of people are very concerned about this. People that are even on the, you know, that are very liberal and have been fighting hard for equality. They all of a sudden are facing a problem that they're not sure how to solve. And you've got the Olympics looming. You've got, you know, women's soccer, women's basketball. You have some 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 niche sports that they have really excelled and, and become incredible champions at track and field being one of them. And if it goes the route that it is, you're going to see there, those records go by the wayside. You're going to see a lot of infighting and and. Policies that come as a result of knee-jerk reaction to those loud voices instead of thoughtful response to it, needed policy change. Well, that's right. It's it, it's become you know it's become like a political cartoon, right? It's become a far side cartoon at this point. That, look, I, I started to tell you I had dated a very nice woman who was a, a competitive runner, but I would beat her every time in short sprints, not because I'm a competitive runner. I'm a slow runner. But in short sprints, the male body. And by the way, you've met me. I'm no huge uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger type. I don't have, uh, you know, I'm not a competitive runner by any means. But I would beat her every time in short sprints only. Why? Because that's called the distinction in biology. And so I'm on the raw. I'm on the on the low end of the curve for men, and I'm on the way high end of the curve for women when it comes to sprints. All men who are not otherwise incapacitated are. So how do you how do you merge those two and say, oh well, this is fair because some person has declared, and I'm, I don't say this in a mocking fashion. Whatever the right action verb is, and I don't know it, and I'm not sure it's that important, at least to me, to be fair, uh, that some person now identifies as a woman but was born a man. That's all I'm saying. You, you can decide what else you want to say about that, but those are the facts. The person was born male and identifies as a woman now and is involved in women's sports and is dominating, dominating those sports. And when people like 
Martina Navratilova, who was a professional tennis player in the 80s, and she was number one. She happens to be, by the way, this is an aside, but there's some relevance to it. She happens to be gay. All right. I don't care. I don't want to watch her in the bedroom. I want to watch her on the tennis court. And so she... But I mentioned that she happens to be gay because you tend not to think of gay people being either homophobic or transphobic. I realize they're different, but in the alphabet soup that is LGBT, they are uh, um, uh, intersectional. And so she made some critical statement about uh, people born men competing in female sports, and they pounced on her. Pounced on her. Yeah, I hate to see. I hate to see important voices like um, Martina Navratilova, like others that really—they're important. Their voices need to be heard. What's happening is they—you can't articulate any difference of opinion when it comes to, um, you know, a, a trans member competing in in sports. That's right. Or else you are labeled transphobia, and that's what we're doing now to honest discussion. You also right. see it. On, in politics, if you're a conservative and you voice an opinion that is different, now you're, you know, you are a Trump person, a MAGA person, or you're you're someone to be relegated to the side and not listened to. And That's it's exactly really right. disastrous. It's That's disastrous exactly right. when it comes to trying to fashion policy in this country. How do you have a conversation? How do you have a conversation yeah. if one side, their response is, you're evil, you're a Nazi, you're racist, you're a transphobe, you're a homophobe. I am. I happen to be a conservative, but I was born in New York and I'm Jewish. You know, your labels of racist and homophobe and, and anti-Semite, they don't stick too well to me. Sorry. Sorry, but that's the knee-jerk reaction. And what I've been doing now for many years, when people try that nonsense on me, because I discuss things like race-based admissions. (gasps) Yes, I said it. Yes, I said it. Race-based admissions in higher education. When I discuss issues like that, I get attacked by some, not all, some folks on the left with all of the name-calling, and I started doing what Trump does, and I started it before Trump did it, meaning Trump may have done it in his personal life. He wasn't an elected official. But for years, my response is, bring it on. Bring it on. You think you can name call me into silence? Because that did work against Republicans for years. You have had to develop... You've had to develop some thick skin. That's Certainly, right. You know, a New York Jew also going to Arkansas and That's teaching right. at, the, at a law school has got to, you know, you've got to deflect occasionally. But That's right. I, I look at the, I look at some of the folks that have served, you know, you and I have come across some certain governors, senators, mm-hmm. members of Congress. Um, Senator DeWine from Hawaii or Ohio, Ohio. When he was there. He, he was an example of somebody that he was going to he was going to listen to both sides. Oh, yeah even though he wasn't going to agree with it. And, and that's where we're, we're losing those. They're not getting elected anymore. That's right. That's right. Hold, hold that thought, Brett. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll come back for our final segment now. This is a Dave Ellswick Show. I am Robert Steinbuck filling in for Dave on this Friday afternoon. In the studio, Chris Corbett, attorney, engineer, master plumber, land surveyor, alphabet soup, you name it. And on the phone, Brett Tolman, former United States attorney, a fre- frequent commentator on Fox News, B- Brett, a buddy of mine, who, who you who who you have met when we were in D.C., just randomly texted me a picture. He's not listening to the show, 
he's out of out of the country right now, randomly texted me a picture of seeing you on Fox News. I said, he's on Fox News. He's on with me right now. <laughs> how can that be? <laughs> yeah, how can how that can be? How can that be? It must have been a rerun. We're live. Exactly. We're live. I think we're live. Hold on. Let me check. Yep, we're live. Um, Brett. There's an article in New York Times that that builds on this discussion that we're having. Our discussion is about how the left shuts down speech. We had a great conversation, incidentally, with a state senator who's running for president of the Senate here in state, uh, you know, state Senate in Arkansas uh, um, and Bart Hester. And he's going to be a great president of that Senate. And this guy grasps and then some this concept of how we need to guarantee free speech in Arkansas and elsewhere. But, of course, as a state senator, his focus aptly will be Arkansas. And he aptly points out, because uh, one of the bills that I tried to have uh, passed uh, last session, we ran out of time, was a bill that guaranteed government employees free speech rights that are no longer guaranteed under the current interpretation of the First Amendment. I think it's a bad interpretation, but the law is, is what it is today. And, of course, to the extent that the courts are not enforcing it constitutionally, we can always enforce it through statute. And so we had a great bill to enhance the free speech rights of Arkansas state employees and local employees, government employees. And we're going to pass that next uh, term in part because I I am confident that we've already got uh, Bart Hester on board with this great bill based on his sound commitment and statement of that commitment for free speech rights. And that's what we're talking about here, right? We're talking about how identity politics is stifling speech and it's stifling thought. And there was an article in New York Times the other day, and the title of that article I have in front of me is Earth Science Has a Whiteness Problem. A whiteness problem. Say what? Yeah, yeah, let me repeat that. Earth Science Has a Whiteness Problem. And it talks about how that there are not enough uh, minorities in Earth Sciences. Now... The article goes on to discuss what is apparently there has been some instances of discrimination. Well, that's wrong. Not only wrong, it's illegal, and that needs to be rooted out. But the title doesn't say there has been discrimination in the earth sciences. It says it has a whiteness problem. Could you imagine saying that about any other group? Could you imagine saying medicine has a Jewish problem? Well, there's an article in the newspaper just recently about there's not enough women in engineering. Right. Right. Is that is that a result of discrimination or is it just a choice? Right, right, and that's the, that's a question that needs to be investigated. Here's, by the way, here's the subtitle of the article: It's barely ten percent uh, of um, doctoral doctoral degrees in geosciences go to people of color. Okay, that's a fact, and so that's fine. The lack of diversity limits the quality of research. Wait, what? Oh, now, man. The, discrimination limits research, but the lack of um, racial diversity limits the quality of earth science research if, and this is a big if, and I don't have the answer to it, if those uh, um, uh, breakdowns of who's in the earth sciences is a function of choice, how is that? How is that? But this is what we're talking well, yeah, about, Brett. It's all about know, Rob, identity I, politics now. Yeah, it, it is. And what's, what's really alarming is 25, 30 years ago, you would have, you would have um, the any Democrat left leaning politician would have been beating their chest about being champions of the First Amendment. Right. So that's gone. Gone. Because they're okay with the First Amendment so long as you say they, they then they're okay with your first. Amendment. That's right. 
That's right. There is no first amendment. We're okay with free speech as long as it's a speech we agree with. Yeah. And and look, I, I, I don't like the comparisons to other governments and other, you know, leaders of governments that were dictators. But if you were going to knock out two of our, you know, very important um, amendment rights, which right. would it be? First and second. One and two, baby. Oh, man. <laughs> that would be your only two. Did I lose your breath? So I, I don't know. Oh, yeah. uh, your, your viewers, for themselves, they should be asking themselves, okay, which are under attack? Exactly. And, and that, that's the question they should answer themselves. And if they agree that it's the first and second, where are the attacks coming from? That's right. And if it is coming from the left, then are you are you really buying what they're saying Donald Trump is doing or the Republicans are doing or the GOP is doing? Because you highlighted it, Rob. You said it exactly right. We are destroying what is, you know, this country has been built on through identity politics. Brett, you're right on the money. You, If you in any way believe in the First Amendment, I don't see how you can vote for a Democrat. Now, you might not be able to vote for some Republicans, but you certainly can't vote for a Democrat. Brett, we're coming to the end of the show. It's always an honor and a pleasure to have you on. I am still waiting for your announcement that you're running for governor of Utah. Uh, <laughs> thank you. God bless you. God bless everybody. Thank you. Thanks, Rob. Take Thanks care. Both of you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.